everybody, what's going on? Rob Sestrino getting you ready for our tar pit here after our two-hour amazing race this week. That's right. First up, as we like to do in the tar pit, you're going to hear our exit interview where we're going to talk with this week's eliminated contestants. Leo and Alana are going to call in. Jessica Lease will join me on the call for that. Then we'll get to everything from your feedback to the secret scenes to Amazing Race social media with Mike Bloom and Sarah Carradine, uh, Sarah from Sydney, who has a game for us. She'll be joining the panel today to talk about it all. But first, let me go ahead and uh, welcome in this week's Eliminated Contestant as we talk to Leo and Alana. Leo and Alana, are you there? Hey there. Hey, Rob. Leo and Alana, hey, how are you? You're here with uh, Rob and Jessica, and uh, very sad hey. to see you guys out of the race. Same. We are. We have huge sad energy right now. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and that it was that. I guess you could tell us. So was it that that twenty minute yield that ultimately was the difference? Unfortunately for the dramatic story, no, not at all. We no. asked Phil, that was our first question was on the mat, and no. <laughs> That's not surprising. Um, I heard that you were out there for three hours at that counting task. That is, that, sound, that feels correct from um, like the, the, the feel on our toes and on our noses. Yeah, and the, yeah, the length of time the scenes took, the, I, the tea breaks. I would also like to emphasize that every single one of those actors was also out there having to do that same recreated like five minute skit for three hours. <laughs> and I feel bad for them every day. <laughs> <laughs> was there any talk between the two of you of wait or should we be counting flags as spears and it feels like that you would have gotten to that earlier um we were definitely talking about what of these various objects are spears um i think that i think maybe what's was a little confusing is among the flags uh, among the flag spears, there were there was a variety of things. Oh, at the beginning, I think our first round when we came up with like sixteen or eighteen, I think we were counting swords. We were counting this anyway. Like we we talked about what we weren't should we should not be counting, and I just keep coming back to like in the moment the flags had pointy tops, and that made me think they were spears forever. Same. And like I just don't think I could unwrite that truth from my head. And really, when we five, we were. Our last five guesses were 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. Like, we were just trying because we knew we couldn't get it. Well, and we also had to be systematic at some point. And about how long was that presentation every time? I had seven, to, seven yeah, minutes. it was like seven or eight minutes, I think. I mean, I felt so hard. I have no sense of time. Could have been long. Yeah, I mean. It could have been five. Yeah, it, we don't I know, don't think but. it was less than five. And it was, I mean, I think that's one of the brutal things is like, as opposed to. You had to, to conquer the whole village. Right, yeah. I mean, and the, the horses had to run in and then people had to die. Like, I just think, like, as opposed to a task where you have to do it over and over again, but the task itself doesn't take 10 minutes. Like, we were really, we were in a bad spot. Like, you know, a part of. I think I had as many attempts guessing painters in the museum, but that was just a better task for her to keep trying at than the one we got stuck with. 
Can we discuss uh, the relationship with uh, Kalen and Haley? Because it was an interesting one over the course of the season that we saw earlier in the season in Colombia when you guys ended up helping them in the whole with the with a hey, here's where the horn is and potentially save them from elimination. Uh, But then over the, the course of the season, we got to the point where it seemed like that Haley seemed annoyed that Leo didn't give the answer to the sauerkraut word scramble last night what was that a relationship that deteriorated over the course of the season i would i don't i don't really think so um i would say that um obviously they saved us in the amazon and so i think we all kind of considered that to be a debt paid and we were we were good at that point and then we were still friendly um i think we would have uh helped them again in, in a similar situation um but this in, in Berlin, it wasn't a similar situation. We were, um, you know, we were the three teams in the back of the pack. And uh, Aparna and I, at that point, were, were done. And if we, had, if we had shared that information, the three teams would have basically had a foot or a taxi race to the finish. And that would have just been a, a huge risk. So I, when Haley said, you know, I guess we're not helping each other out anymore, I mean, that, that was true, and I think that was fair. Um, I, I think she was frustrated in the same way that James was frustrated when I didn't uh, help him more in the parking garage. But, um, you know, you have to draw the line somewhere if you're a competitor. And I think if we hadn't been in the back of the pack, I would have loved to have shared that information. Like you could see, I, I was struggling not to, but I knew that if that got us eliminated, um, we wouldn't be able to forgive ourselves. So you've mentioned on Twitter a few times that you had absolutely no idea that the Mine 5 was a thing or that it was conspiring to get you out. So does knowing about that now, does that make you feel better or worse about the race? I think both, right? Like, I feel better because I feel so flattered to have been targeted by all these super strong teams. Like, I, I think that that means that we're more of a threat than, frankly, we even thought of ourselves as in the moment. Like, we were just really trying our hardest and trying to help people when we could. And, and that was the extent of our, our thought about strategy, really. And, like, potentially make a friend who might scratch yeah, our back later. Exactly, yeah, exactly. But we were never thinking, like, so, so far in the future as, like, building alliances and all of that stuff. Like, I think that makes me feel really, like, I feel flattered that they targeted us, but I also feel, you know, I feel frustrated. Like, I wonder what would have happened in, if, if that alliance was only a three-team alliance, or what would have happened if we created our own alliance, or, you know, like, there are just so many what-ifs around such a huge, they were such a huge power force. Like, what would have happened if anyone um, had, besides Hong, needed to figure out sauerkraut? Because Hong and I were the only two people who actually figured that out on our own. Yeah. Yeah. Angela might still be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, could you talk about uh, Leo the uh, issue last week with moving uh, the uh, the car for uh, Will and James? Uh, that you moved their car off, <laughs> off to the side of the road. Uh, that was there any pushback from them in terms of uh, that uh, not wanting you to uh, move their car out of the way? No, actually, they were. As far as I can remember, they were totally glad for me to be um, getting involved. Um, like I think it, it even made the episode when I showed up and they said, Leo, can you please help us? And, and, uh, pretty quickly at that point, I was at the wheel. Um, but they were frustrated that I didn't help them more or further along. I think they, 
they, as I was leaving, they asked for like help or advice on how to get the car going. And I, I, I mean, even in the best of times, like if you're, let's say, let's say you're trying to help someone stick shit, but you're in a hurry, but you're not in a race, but you don't have time, right? What are you going to tell them? Like release the clutch at like the right amount, right? Like I would have had to give him a real lesson and I also didn't know what he was doing wrong. So as I was leaving, I honestly, I did say something like something like easy on the clutch um, (laughs) or whatever. Right. Um, And if I, the fact that he was starting in third doesn't surprise me now. I didn't think of it at the time, right? Like if I really wanted to help him, I would have said, make sure you're actually in first. But, um, but I wouldn't have said that because I I had no interest in actually helping them. (laughs) Wow. You might want to, you might want to be a little more blunt there, Leo. (laughs) Um, I was curious, like on a related note, like related to driving, uh, what actually happened with your Trabant in the Berlin leg? How far did you end up having to push that thing? like really only around the corner and i think this is one of our big failings as a team is that we spent too much time focused on details and clues that turned out to not matter so the clue said you had to park your turban at the front of the hotel and our car just fully died around the corner just fully died like we were probably there for 15 minutes like a nice german man came in and tried to figure out how to get it started himself because he's like oh i have a hobby turban yeah and then he, and he couldn't think like we just we just the car died i think very similar to the engines but we didn't think like okay this we just bounce on the car and go to the next part we were like but the clue is we have to get it to the front of the hotel so then i pushed the car because it was made of tinfoil and it, it looked i look very strong on tea, which i love yeah we got a nice view of alana's butt on cfp so we sort of equalized the the butt exposure um on the season and yeah like will and james jogging a mile and like we could have just jogged around the corner we wasted a lot of so time, time um trying to get the car to where the clue told us to get it to so in terms of life update, uh, congratulations on uh, your uh, wedding, which uh, that I, I don't know. Was it a recent wedding or Thank was you. it shortly after you guys filmed the race? We got engaged um, a couple months after we filmed the race, which so I proposed to Alana a year after our first date. Um, and then we got married uh, just a couple months ago uh, on Labor Day weekend. And we had a, a downsized wedding in our backyard. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Kayla and Haley were there with wedding party. Oh, that's very, that's nice. Yeah, it was great. They drove, I, they drove, how many miles is it? It was from Charleston. They drove from Charleston in a, like in a day for our like two, three hour wedding. Not and then the they stick drove shift. Back They'd still be driving, like, right? They, yes. share, they share a car. I'm pretty sure it's not that. Definitely an automatic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, congratulations on on that. Uh, and, and and what a success story because you, you you guys are met on Tinder. Is that right? We did. Yes. Yeah, okay. we're a Tinder success story. We wanted to be team Tinder, but it turns out we're nerdier than we are Tinderier. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, but Tinder should have you two in commercials. Seriously. Yeah. We say yes. You should sure. connect us with the people you know. Yeah, I'll be in a Tinder commercial. I'm a Tinder success story. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was the trajectory from Tinder to deciding to go on the Amazing Race? How'd you end up getting hooked up with the show? We sent in a video um, a few months after we met, uh, a couple days after we moved in together. Um, we talked about it with friends, and we we the video was just for fun, really. Um, yeah, I mean, the video was literally, we had just moved in together, which everyone thought was crazy because we'd only been dating for like five months at the time, I think. 
And it, I mean, like partly it made sense for our lives and partly we were like, we spent all of our time together anyways. And like, let's film this video, let's film an audition video. It seems like they're casting one of our friends said it would be like a good idea. And we were like, sure. But really we were like, we're crazy kids who just moved in together, like continue to prove our friends right um, by casting us so we can be crazy in this new way. And then they did. Yeah, we'll be a hot mess. Like, uh, maybe we'll still be together when at the starting line. Who knows? It was, it was, I I feel forever lucky that our video, which was a pile of crap, was, was picked out of the, you know, tens of thousands, if not more. Yeah, I mean, right time, right place, but also, you know, we just took one, one or two takes, um, just talked about who we are, and um, yeah, the right person saw it. It's really lucky. Now, I believe you two have said that you recently have started to watch Survivor because of some comparisons that people had been making on social <laughs> media. Do I do I have that correct? Yeah, well, so we love, we've always watched, we've, we've watched Survivor for years, but we watch, we just didn't watch like, you know, the seasons that the internet says are the best seasons. But somehow um, we missed David v. Goliath, which I guess the internet also thinks is one of the best seasons. Yeah, I I, yeah we're just working our way through various seasons. Yeah. And I, I mean, and the minute that someone told me I looked like Gabby and I saw a photo of her, I was like, I am flattered. Also, she looks like a survivor queen. I hope I can be an amazing race queen. Uh, you can also tell by looking at Gabby, sort of like by looking at Alana, like the kind of person who is yeah, it, like the girl that cries on television. And like we've gotten to know Gabby a little bit, just like we've DM'd a little. Yeah. And yeah, she's our people. Yeah, she's great. And so is Christian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, egos. I think yes. that Alana Gabby thing is a little stronger than, than Christian, in my opinion. But seeing them make fire together, I, I swear to God, I looked up at the screen and I thought it was us. Yeah, well, you got to get to Survivor Amazon next if you haven't been there yet. I hear there's a they, dude they've on been there to the Amazon. Awesome. They've seen enough of the Amazon. OK, <laughs> been there, done that. For a <laughs> we'll little... Yeah, we have some good memories. On. We, yeah. we, we, uh, we, we made, made delicious food I'm very sad to be uh, talking to you right now. My niece is going to lose her mind when she finds out you've been eliminated, uh, but we've really enjoyed watching oh, you. Don't tell her. Don't tell her. <laughs> <laughs> Just say the show got canceled. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Leo and Lana, great to catch up with you. Sad to see you out of the race, but uh, all the best to the two of you in everything you go on to do uh, post Amazing Race. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Can't wait to hear the show. Okay. All right. Take care. All right, everybody. There you have it. Leo and Alana here on Rob's podcast. Still plenty of tar pit to come. But first, let me thank a sponsor for this episode of the podcast. Those are our friends over at Headspace, brand new sponsor to the podcast, but very happy to have them on board an app that I have uh, tried out many times over the years. Headspace is an online mindfulness app. Look, life was stressful under normal circumstances. And then 2020 came in and said, hold my beer, Gary and D'Angelo, during your beer yoga class, because 2020 has been a year unlike any other. But there's something that can help you find a little bit of peace of mind. And that is Headspace, because Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form 
form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really make you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. If you need help falling asleep, Headspace has wind-down sessions that their members swear by. I've used it myself. If you really have a hard time, you wake up in the middle of the night or if you have time to, you know, uh, to need to get in a nap here during the day and I want to be talked down into falling asleep, Headspace has sessions for you. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost your focus and increase your overall sense of well-being. Headspace also has uh, some uh, really interesting concepts that they explain in really cool ways through illustrations and all sorts of different graphics and they take the mystery out of mindfulness and meditation and give it to you in very easy to understand concepts. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build life-changing meditation practices with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash Rob. That's headspace.com slash Rob for a one-month free trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Go to headspace.com slash Rob today and start feeling better. All right, let's get into our tar pit proper here. Of course, uh, you uh, just heard her talking with Leo and Alana here is back with us as Jessica Lee. Jess, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Rob. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, that have you taken in any Kazakhstani cinema since the last time we spoke? You know, I I looked hard to find it, but apparently, and I'm going to be the one to do it. Uh, here I come. Borat didn't really do a whole lot to boost the Kazakhstani film industry as far as the profile in the states. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, no uh, wrath of Genghis Khan or anything like that. No, although that would be Over glorious. Recaps, yeah. All right, yeah. of course. Uh, and back with us uh, once again, uh, the great Mike Bloom. Hello. I do not want to derail this podcast immediately, but I have spent several days lying in wake with just an epiphany brought on by Jessica Lee about my uh, my genes and my lineage. <laughs> I don't yes. know how to feel. Yes. Uh, I mean, Jess can sort of Jess can sort of parlay this uh, into a, a larger conversation. She can make the reveal proper, but it's maybe really take a hard look at myself as to where I might have come from in a very Genghis Khan type of way, and perhaps many distant ancestors Jess, that I might you have. I didn't even know about. about Mike. I did. Well, there's a post on Twitter that's been going viral lately, and it is someone made a composite of all four Beatles, and yes. it is a combination of like what they would look like if they were one person. And I swear to God, the composite beetle looks exactly like Mike Bloom. Okay, how do I see that? Uh, the, what would I will the, share it in the chat. Just, just look yeah. at it right what here. Would, this is all you need to, be to, able to look like. Uh, what would all yeah. the beetles look like? Okay. I'm going to shoot you the tweet, and then you can retweet it mm. so that 
Okay. All right. We, we could maybe put this in our social media segment on. Uh, yeah. This can... Okay. All right. So if all the Beatles were, is this like some sort of like genetically or. Yeah, this yeah. is this is much better than the survivor heroes versus villains. Let's take one body part from each one of the winners and combine them into one fugly person. No, this is like a legitimate face app recognition composite. And I have now realized there's a good chance I am a Beatles test tube baby. That there's a lot of Liverpool going on and, and gene pools in more ways than one. Evidently, I've come out all the better. I, I I don't know whether to accept my newfound pseudo celebrity status or push it down to make it feel like I pull myself up by my own bootstraps here to the microphone. Yep. But I'm I'm all the better for knowing it. All right, here is my Mike Beetle Bloom. It, it like it's it, it is i think i was maybe a week too early on the the viral post of what what celebrities are you often compared to because evidently i could just list the four beatles because mm-hmm. that their composite is who i am evidently yeah. okay and i wonder uh, maybe one of our listeners after this weekend's uh robin keeping you a podcast tell us if all the spice girls were combined uh what would they end up looking like and maybe that would be jess uh, probably not. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. You never which, know. Which, know which like celebrities podcaster <laughs> is it going to be? All right. So uh, that uh, Mike, it is uh, nice to have you uh, with uh, a member of the the Fab Five. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm Karomo in that regard. I'm all about culture. Mm, okay. All right. Uh, then we are also uh, very uh, lucky to have with us here today. Uh, we have another member of our panel that we have with us uh, from Sydney that she has a quiz for us and she's going to be joining our discussion. Sarah Carradine, aka Sarah from Sydney. Sarah, how are you? Hi, everybody. I'd like to say to Mike, let it bloom, of course. Yes. It's exactly like all those Beatles. And I'm the only one of the panel who has been living long enough to have heard new releases from the Beatles. Okay. Yes. Uh, well, they, didn't they do like a, they, they dropped like a something, right? This, this yeah. uh, free as a bird. Yeah. Can, Jess. I, I think it counts. I was excited. I was as excited for that to drop as anybody was when they were still making records organically. Okay. All right. Sarah, can you tell the listeners yes. a little bit about your Amazing Race fandom? Uh, well, I'm a complete casual, but I'm a passionate casual. So as soon as that music mm. comes on, I'm chair dancing. I love watching it. And then I forget everything that I saw until the following week. So thank heavens for previously on. I actually <laughs> okay. do watch them. Yeah, um, but I'm very ex- I'm very excited about um, the new Amazing Race Australia, which has just finished filming. They managed to film from early October to mid November. They just finished, oh, good and they got the whole yeah they got the whole season in the can. So you know, really well done on all of them with all their restrictions and safeties and and so on. So looking forward to that when that comes out next year. All right. Now, when you brought up chair dancing, uh, the Jewish part of myself could not help but think of a very different type of chair <laughs> dance. I imagine that happens every Amazing Race. It's just four burly men come in and lift you up in your chair as you as you dance fervently to the music around you. Yes, it's that is in fact very much what it's like. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good challenge. Um, so, all right, we're coming off a two-hour Amazing Race this week, and of course, we get questions from our listeners at amazing race at rob has a website.com and i'm sure that there were uh, many questions about this uh two hours of the show so we always like to get started with some feedback from the listeners uh mike do you want to get us started today 
Boy, howdy, do I, because we've got a big in here. Now, look, I, I think that it's safe to say that this episodes uh, of The Amazing Race have prompted the most robust feedback that we have received so far for this season. And I think it's primarily around the entire institution of the Mind Five Alliance and the subsequent, you know, not only the yielding of Leo and Alana, but also all of the sauerkraut gate of helping at the roadblock and hung hanging back to help D'Angelo. Because if you check social media any day in the, in the, you know, the, the couple that after the episode aired, things were fired up. So I decided, you know what? Uh, emotions speak loud, but numbers speak louder. So I, I did uh, some polling, some, you know, I don't know if it's good or bad, if it's Leo-esque, if you will, in honor of our, our late use pollster. Use polling or bad use yeah. of polling, yeah. And, there, you know, our resident pollster has been eliminated this week, so I want to sort of do things in his stead. But I guess before we get to that, I mean, let, let's go to our, our resident passionate casual or casual uh sarah what what have been your feelings about the whole like big mind five alliance and particularly what they did in these past two episodes well i think it's very interesting that it was it seems like it was incredibly circumstantial i could be misreading that but it would be quite a coincidence if the other four teams that you were particularly attached to happened to be the other four teams that were on your bus so it's it's intriguing that they uh talk about their relationship connections, whereas to me it's more they were the top teams and they wanted to preserve that top five till, till they had to turn on each other. But I like it. I like, I like alliances. Um, I like Survivor, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's interesting that we're hearing now about alliances have always been in place in Amazing Race. They just haven't been a, 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 an editing focus. Right. So I asked a couple of questions to just the general Amazing Race audience that we can sort of tackle because I got some very uh, comprehensive responses as well. So I got over a thousand responses to each of these two questions. And so the first question I asked was fairly simple. Is the Mine 5 Alliance affecting your enjoyment of season 32? And the options were yes for the better, yes for the worse, or no. Okay. And so I I pulled Reddit and Twitter, and out of all the totals, yes for the better got about thirteen and a half percent, yes for the worse got about forty three point two percent, and no got forty three point three percent. So it does seem that there is actually a, a pretty even split between people who are not perturbed whatsoever by what's going on with the Mind Five, and perhaps I think the more vocal people that have seen through the feedback this week, those who are not very happy at what's going on, which surprised me again, I guess is a, a key reminder how the most vocal representation on a social media platform may not be representative of how the general audience feels about it. Yeah. Jess, what are your feelings on this? Because I, I have to be honest that uh, it hasn't really bothered me. Like I, I don't love it, but it's uh, not like cursing at my TV when I'm watching these episodes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, honestly, I'm just happy I have Amazing Race, and I'm counting my blessings in 2020, so it really doesn't bother me that much, no. Yeah, and I wonder, uh, Mike, do you feel like that this is something from, like, the the people, like, who go through, like, a Big Brother season, like the one we Mm. just had, or even the one, uh, like, the first half of the one that we had last season, where there's a big alliance, they've got, like, just a, a stranglehold on the game, and they're not just, they're not relinquishing, nobody can crack the big alliance, and it's not fun to watch, but in 
Big Brother is just it's in such slow motion of every like uh, every week can feel like an eternity in the Big Brother season. We're in the Amazing Race. Like you kind of forget like oh there's a five team alliance. Like uh, like we don't even remember that like Iswar and Aparna are are in the five team alliance. So yeah, there's like some sharing of clues, but. Overall, like I, I think that there has been, you know, a lot of variance in, you know, how the teams have been showing up to the mat. Yeah. So let me answer your question uh, with some answers, because I, I got some a lot of responses from uh, our listeners and Amazing Race fans. That I'd love to read out because to your point, Rob, uh, Philip Ang said on Twitter, it's too similar to BB22, where we see this majority alliance filled with people who don't seem capable of playing for themselves and keep stupidly targeting the weaker player's steamroll. Super boring and not even a good strategy. You shouldn't keep strong teams in on purpose. Uh, and I know that Alex Kidwell said something similar. Of, you know, I don't mind seeing people work together on TAR to take out the better teams. It's weird seeing all the top teams conspire against one that is consistently finishing towards the bottom. Also carries a lot less weight for me strategically. So that's an interesting sort of uh, caveat to it is I think maybe people aren't necessarily perturbed as much about the idea of strategy at large yeah. beyond the amazing race and more so with people being miffed of like, well, why aren't the big threats going after one another? But, uh, if I could push back on that, like you don't target teams on the amazing race for the most part, at least as from my, my limited understanding of the game, it's like a, a alliance of like, okay, let's just, you know, the, the only thing that could happen to me, I, I want to not be last. So all I have to do is just like, uh, let, let's help each other. And then I, I just don't let me have like the total like meltdown on this leg. And then we'll figure it out. Whereas like, okay, when we get to the final five on these other shows, like survivor or big brother, like the power structure is so obvious where like if, you know, uh, are, is anybody going to be yelling about how like oh Iswar and Aparna like you idiots like you don't don't you realize you're not in the core four like <laughs> when you get down to the final five they won't help you like I, I just I don't see it uh, getting untangled in that way. Well, I think mm. there's kind of three different ways that alliances work on the Amazing Race, and you are right, Rob, that you can't really pick apart the power structure within an alliance on the Amazing Race just because there's so much that's out of their control. But the things that are in their control are what we saw this week, who you can help. And then you have like the occasional thing you can throw in someone's path, like a Mm U-turn. And then you have like information that you can share when it comes to navigation. Like you can all follow each other. You can caravan. You can um, have your cab driver call a cab for somebody else. And I think that is I think this may be the first season where we've seen the power structure. We've seen the Alliance actually have that much of an impact and actually kind of move through the game in a way that they are explicitly controlling because I think maybe season 22 had that a little bit, but for the most part, you really don't get that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, let me read a couple more responses here because sort of talking about the circumstantial ideas of it all, uh, Smoking Thunder echoes your your point, Rob, on Reddit. They say, although I don't like the Mine 5, if they didn't exist, the season isn't that different, at least so far. Nathan and Cody still can't play the drums. Kelly and LaVon still get a bad taxi and Michelle and Victoria still get lost for six hours in Paris. 
It's an annoying mm-hmm. subplot, but it's not ruining the season for me. And to the point, I believe that Alana and Leo mentioned in your exit interview that they feel like expressly the yield did not affect their last place finish yeah, they whatsoever. Were so far mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So, and I, but I do think that to Smoking Thunder's point, and maybe it does, uh, you know, take its effect with the Sarah from Sydney's of the world. Those that might not remember, there's a five person alliance. It does feel a little repetitive, especially. But sure. I think when we got that two-hour episode, especially to have that like get brought up one right after the other, it's like we constantly need reminders of it. And so it, it, it's it's I think gradually moved more so into the spotlight, especially as now we have five out of the six remaining teams making up this alliance. I just think it, okay, people want to get hung up on oh, there's an alliance, they're sharing information, but just to be like completely results oriented about it, it has not changed the outcome of anything. Nobody has been eliminated because of this. And if anybody was eliminated because of an alliance on this season, it was Kelly and Levon when Leo and Alana helped out uh mm-hmm. helped out uh mm-hmm. Haley and Kaylin or and or you could argue Jerry and Frank as well when Kaylee and Halen Kaylin and Haley you turned right. uh, the, and Frank. At the bottom of the pack which ultimately you know did in other people that were at the bottom of the pack so it, to me it just hasn't been that super impactful so far and they're already turning on each other like the, you see hung and chi they don't even like D'Angelo and Gary and there's a, a, a lot it's not like oh my god these five are so rock solid Mm-hmm. And what might be more common in, in other seasons, I, I don't know, because as you know, I can't remember. <laughs> but in the latest season of the Australian um, Amazing Race Australia, there were uh, alliances of convenience on one leg. And they would say, do you want to work together on this leg? They'd work together for the leg and then the alliance would be, would be over. And I wonder if that's more common, just a circumstantial, uh, let's work together on this one not to be last. Mm-hmm. So, so EM Fly Fifteen brings up an interesting point on Reddit as well. Uh, they essentially started by saying, like, you know, when these big groups happen, it usually just ends up uh, pushing them to root for the underdogs who are not in the alliance. They bring up, you know, Beauty Queens over the the six pack, or Kinton Vixen over the majority alliance in season eighteen, or obviously the whole season twenty four stuff with Brenchel and the anti Brenchel brigade. Uh, but for some reason, they're not feeling twelve, Mike. Oh yeah, like yeah, history tends to repeat itself. Uh, but they said uh, they're not really feeling that this season. Maybe it's the fact that I don't feel the minority teams can overcome them. The lack of interest slash interteam drama, a trademark of newer seasons that make me more disinterested, or the frustration I feel at the lack of struggle. I.e., struggle is what makes the race interesting. And in the current day, there's only struggling with tasks, not as much airport slash language barriers slash lacks of information. So the fact that the teams are breathing through the task by being given answers and information really bothers me. So just what what do you think about that? Because I haven't really thought about like the struggle aspect of it that maybe some of that also makes it feel like a bit of a quote unquote steamroll is that you have a team like Kaylin and Haley, which has been scraping by for so long. And that's afforded these other five teams the opportunity to, yes, make mistakes, but by and large perform much better than they have basically every leg. Yeah, well, I think some of that is cumulative. Like if you feel like the entire rest of the teams are against you, I think that does sort of throw a wrench in your plans. And I think the morale could kind of get into your head. But on the other hand, we've also seen it where every other team is against the team that ends up going all the way because it galvanizes them and makes them feel like they have something to prove. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, a couple of other responses here. So PJ Gagan says, um, and this is something that I sort of brought up with the whole Leo and Alana's story arc and why I was surprised that it was them going at this point in the race. He said, it just sucks the drama out of this endgame IMO. With Leo and Alana out, the biggest story of the season is D'Angelo and Gary don't know how alliances work. The blondes continued success from the bottom. It just seems meh to me. And yeah, I mean, I, I guess it brings up this point that you mentioned, Rob, like if and when, if this does become the final five teams because it's become so focused on like, let's just get through this stage. I'll, I'll be intrigued to see what sort of what seeds have been sown seeds, to baby. flower in that next stage of things. Yeah. Listen, you don't watch the amazing race for alliances anyway. So what do you, what do you care about this? If, if it ends up being where the cream has not, not only risen to the top, but helped each other uh, rise to the top. And also that uh, made people smell also as the cream <laughs> will do on the amazing race. Then let's just see these five teams fight it out when they get to the end. Like I would think that I don't think it's crazy to think that uh, the Kalen and Haley seem like the odds on favorite to be eliminated next. Uh, maybe after the I mean, let's see these five teams fight it out. Mm. I mean, you bring up an interesting point, and uh, one of the things that really opened my eyes to all this is how differing the opinions are. Cause even when it comes to the idea of strategy on the show, I've seen people come at it saying, well, I don't watch the show for strategy. That's why I don't watch Survivor or Big Brother. So get this strategy out of here. That's why I don't like this season. Mm-hmm. And there are some who said, I don't watch the show for strategy. I watch it for the teams and the location. So from that perspective, I don't care about it. And I've been enjoying this season. Yeah. So again, it really does. I, I don't think there is a, a uniform opinion about the season, which again, surprised me when I got the results. And, and just to put it like a little bit of a sharper edge on my opinion about this, it, it's it, the Alliance doesn't bother me, but I don't like teams giving each other the answer. I, I, I would like mm-hmm. to see some sort of like, if we could tweak the rules at all, have an Alliance give shared directions and stuff like that. But like when that, uh, just is there any way to police like you can't if the task has like an answer you can't just like tell another team the answer to the quiz well i actually mike knows where i stand with this but mm-hmm. i will kind of soften my stance a little bit because what i said to mike earlier was that this is it seems basically unenforceable because there are so many different ways you can help somebody but i did sort of think about the fact that you can have the you can you can enforce it if the non roadblock performing team member is helping the person who's performing the team road the roadblock that has has been enforced in the past. I think we right. saw Motherboy in season twenty seven had that problem. Yeah, I think that was, uh, I think that was really the first time that we heard outright like you are penalized because you you yes. basically like said something to your teammate during the roadblock. Yeah, yeah. and we had some we had some feedback to that uh, effect where we had. Um, we had a, a listener write in, uh, Janice pointed out that she's watching a lot of earlier seasons right now. And she said back then, non-participating partners were not only helping their team member at the roadblock, but sometimes straight out directing them what to do. And somewhere along the way, they made that something you couldn't do anymore. And so I feel like they could, they could decide, well, this constitutes help and this doesn't, but I don't think they want to do that. I don't think they want to say you can't interact with other teams while you're out there on the race course because that makes that makes things conflict. a lot more interesting. Yeah. yeah, the conflict is great. And there have been times where I think it's it's interesting and even funny how teams figure out how to help each other. Because some in some roadblocks, it does behoove you to help other people. And in some, it doesn't. And you have to figure out which ones those are. Mm-hmm. And I want to pull up a, an Amazing Race Canada example here. 
Um, these are, there's some inadvertent helping that went on in one task where they had to do this complicated math problem on a whiteboard. And one of the teams did it very quickly and left and didn't erase their whiteboard. And so everybody else that went through is just like writing down the answer. And it's like, that's, you know, that's that team's mistake. Yeah. So so the second question that I asked, very true to our segue here, is would you support a rule that prevents teams from helping each other during tasks? And I left this very open-ended as to like whether it could be any task or particularly roadblocks. And the total, again, out of over a thousand responses was pretty much evenly split. It was 518 said yes and 513 people said no. So it was it was really interesting. Uh, you know, there's been a, just a very even divide to Jess's point. I think as a bar rap the rapper said on, on Reddit, IMO, the social aspect slash strategy is just as important as the skills slash athleticism ones. If I recall, the show was inspired by a producer traveling the world with friends and basically hating them slash not being able to tolerate them at the end of it, LOL. Having that mental stamina and the ability to work with others who aren't your partner is key. And I think that, honestly, my answer to this is not even a yes or no. I don't think we need a rule. I think we need to change the tasks. I think that's what it comes down to. I don't think we should have a task where there is one answer that you can easily give away. Because I think if you get rid of that, you get rid of a lot of the collusion that can happen. If, if each team has an individual answer or, or it's something where you're all doing something at once and going for different results at the end of the day, that really like you don't then you don't need to then put in a rule of, oh, there's no talking to each other. Because like Jess said, like, like not only is that difficult to police because helping each other is such an umbrella term that it can apply to so many different things. But you also want that sort of drama of who works together and who doesn't. But if it's less, hey, spell out the word sauerkraut and more so like, oh, you get asked a, a, a trivia question at the bottom and each team gets a different question what as an example. What is sauerkraut made of? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then you then, you know, it, it sort of prevents these teams from from working together where they could just go off in the corner and say, oh, yeah, it's sauerkraut. OK, let's come back together and easily get the answer. Yeah. I will say I'm I'm 95 percent on board with this, Mike, but I think I don't mind it if there is one common answer that everybody has to arrive at and share. If the rule is just you can't give the answer to another team or you'll be penalized. I think there is some value in coming to a big task where you have to arrive at the same conclusion and saying to another team or another racer, let's work on this together and bang this out like we can divide it up or we can each count the things separately and compare our answers before we go check. I think there's some value in that. And I think it does kind of allow racers to work together and get to know each other and feel like they've done the right thing or the wrong thing from helping people. Yeah. I just, I I just hate it when I, I hated it this week when they were, giving the answer to each other but i didn't know if there was a good way to enforce that right so that's that's what i think i think that's what sort of has just produced such like a fiery reaction even from phil who in the secret scenes even expounds upon like how just incredulous he is that hung and she is oh he is yeah he is pretty mad like he's just He's besides yeah. himself he's like hug and she like he says i've never seen before a team hang back ten, 10 minutes to oh, help another team yeah. out like he, I, oh, he like, has to. I mean, he definitely has, but I think he really wants to get in. And I guess I also wonder to that point if future racers 
will also sort of see this as almost the Aesop's fable, right? Of like, look what happened when Hung and Chi helped out too much. So it might also, also be thousand dollars. Yeah, it might be a behavior that corrects itself as well. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of echo something that Baseless Argument said on Reddit. That, that echoes actually a point that you made in the beginning, Rob, with the Big Brother comparison. Basically said like, if, big, if, if like Big Brother, this mega alliance thing becomes the norm from here on out, then I'd say something could probably be done. But for now, let's not be too hasty to come to a conclusion on the morals of the amazing race. Okay. And I would agree. Look, I'm far, far from my, uh, my to like say, hey, don't, you know, emotionally react to something because that's what reality TV is supposed to do. But I think if this becomes a recurring pattern, if if and when Amazing Race 33 comes back, if we see mega alliances from here on out, then yeah, we can certainly put up red flags about it. But I feel like we can certainly we've certainly talked about why it's not great or why it's a nothing burger in some people's cases, but I don't think this is necessarily like a big warning sign as to what the future of the Amazing Race is going to be. Sarah, did you know you were coming to the Amazing Race think tank tonight? I did. I, I, I thought I might, because my my thinking on it was, the what does the clue say? And if the clue says, you must unscramble the letters, what's the interpretation? I would just fix it by saying you have to come straight down the wall, straight to the greeter and tell her. So even if another team tells you the answer, you've then got to go all the way back up, come all the way down in order to say sauerkraut. Hmm. Okay. All right. So in the meantime, uh, Mike, you say, let it be. Yeah, exactly. To quote my <laughs> forefathers, literally and, and figuratively, uh, yeah, I, I think it was it was not a fun thing. Like Jess said, like it's it was one of those I can't believe it moments, but not in a in a great way. I'd, I'd say maybe uh, Haley and Kaylin yielding Leo and Alana was more of the oh my god, I can't believe this mm-hmm. thing than oh my god, is Hung really waiting behind for D'Angelo? That was more of a shake your head moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think I was more appalled by it the second time she did it. <laughs> yeah, that was purely like yeah, re- yeah, reflexive of her sharing where they got the the head Even from. She needed ninety seconds to get over that. Well, he needed like four seconds to get over that. He didn't use his whole ninety seconds, but she insisted no. that he do. Mm-hmm. Do you think he could? Can he bank those eighty six seconds for another time when he's really like frustrated? The link. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then, uh, well, then I think Gary and D'Angelo would sufficiently get voted out, right? Like, they're the ones that are getting the questions wrong and ruining it for everybody. Mm-hmm. All take, take, take. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jess, do we have any other feedback for this week? Oh, do we ever? Um, I'm going to go with some of the more fun questions yeah. this week, I think. Um, there's two that I definitely want to get to, and I'm going to start with the great DJ LaBelle Klein, who asks, so far, we've had a pimp my ride task with the truck in Columbia. And Cribs, which was the yurt task this week. What MTV show are we going to get for a task next? Oh, I hope it's Yo Mama. <laughs> okay. For those that might not know, uh, including our, our compatriots from Sydney, uh, there was a show on, on MTV called Yo Mama, where people would just do Yo Mama jokes to each other in like, I don't know, some sort of back alleyway. And that was the entire show. So maybe it could be like a memorize a series of Yo Mama jokes and recite them to people and, and get street cred in the yeah. streets of wherever they may be. That sounds made up. <laughs> it sounds made up. It's not. Um, could the teams uh, go and do some sort of version of uh, Room Raiders uh, where they mm. show up like mm. uh, the teams will show up in this messy teenager's bedroom and then have to answer a series of questions about this uh, teenager's life? Oh, how about like a, a date my mom challenge where you have to like sit down with like a Dutch mother and learn everything about what it is to be a teenager in Amsterdam? 
careful with a, a, a Dutch mother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Listen, we don't we don't want to go euphemistic here, mm-hmm. but I I mean I don't know. I, I guess we have to think about what are sort of the uh, I wouldn't even say was that MTV's heyday technically when it was more movies uh, than TV, even if the TV was not necessarily that good. Hmm. Yeah, have to go back yeah. to MTV shows or trash. To oh, get I mean, you, you know what? Could there be a punked esque roadblock where you have to set up like a candid camera sting and you have to pull it off perfectly to get your clue? That would be good. Yeah, I like that. I, I also like um, I like a catfish challenge where your partner goes in a room and there's like three other people and you they strike up a conversation with you and you have to figure out which one is your partner. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. So it's like, uh, oh, G- Gary, it's me. It's D'Angelo. No, I'm D'Angelo. Oh, no, I'm the one who's D'Angelo. You have to figure out like who truly is the, the D'Angelo. I guess it's more of a to tell the truth sort of challenge, isn't it? Hmm. It, it depends who does the best blowfish. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. true. That's like, oh, I know who the true Gary is. Do a blowfish. Yeah. Do a blowfish. Okay. Uh, let's let's ask a question. Actually, speaking of D'Angelo, this is from Sarah, uh, not from Sydney. No. Did I see correctly during beer yoga that D'Angelo's toenails were painted? And I saw this a couple of times. I don't know. Just did you take notice watching it that that D'Angelo had his toenails painted as they were flaunted during beer yoga in Berlin? You know, I saw it in passing. But I didn't didn't really think about it too hard. But I yeah. guess it's a look. It's a were, choice. Were they pink? I do not think they were pink. I think they were like a midnight blue. This is probably one of those like downtime between leg things mm-hmm. that they just they maybe they like had a little bit of blue team. Yeah, that's true. But not the not like this the powder. This is not like a cinnamon and blue color. Uh, cinnamon and sugar, I should say. Uh, this this is more of a like darker, almost like an indigo color so I, this could honestly be a thing like i've heard i think riley and madison said in a in a secret scene one time that like one time between legs everyone like stayed up and did like sleepover stuff while they went straight to bed i, I wonder if maybe that was literally part of the sleepover stuff was they like maybe d'angelo fell asleep and they painted his toenails as a punishment so this is a little bit of like an enzo-esque rabbit hole i've gone down no no a twitter search for <laughs> d'angelo williams toes and uh <laughs> i ended up on an article from 2015 where d'angelo williams explains why he showed up to steelers training camp with his toes painted pink uh is showing now of course that d'angelo williams has uh, famously been involved with an nfl wide effort to bring pink into the uniforms uh to raise awareness around uh breast cancer uh that his mom died from in uh 2014 but it seems as though uh d'angelo williams as will commonly have toenails painted Mm, d'angelo toes yeah so, uh, well, yeah. first of all, yeah. first of all, Rob, that's a risky click. Um, <laughs> it was a Twitter search. It was a Twitter search. Okay. That, I guess article. that's better than yeah. a Google search. Yeah. I, I don't know what you get if you Google that, but, um, second of all, I think it's really cool that he's using it to advocate for causes and maybe he just sort of got to liking it. Hmm. It's a good look. All right. So the D'Angelo Williams. Uh, the question really is: uh, Are Gary's toes painted? Uh, Sarah, mm. do you have a guess? I'm going to say no, but they did have a lot to say about each other's feet at, at, at probably greater length than they needed to go into. But uh, yes, in one of the secret scenes, I don't know, Mike, if you're going to be showing that, but. <laughs> 
we're gonna get to it. We're gonna we're gonna get to it. Yeah, I can't imagine. I I I can't imagine painting Gary's toes because I feel like Gary's toenails will be the size of like shovels. Uh, that they're just gonna be like you need an entire gallon to paint them. Yeah, yeah. Did you notice that the beer yoga instructress was Australian? Oh, I didn't not know the that. that. Not the judge downstairs, but the woman upstairs who was uh, who was instructing them. Yeah. So, Rob, you're you're I think the expert on the panel when it comes to broga, considering that you have uh, studied it before. Is it customary that you have to like do a prominent exhale every time you take a sip, like they instruct, or do you think that was trolling on their part? Hmm. Um. I I don't know. I don't really know a lot about it. My take on uh, Broga coming into this was that it is not real and it's just something that uh, people were doing to try to get publicity. Sarah, have you done uh, beer yoga? Well, I haven't. I haven't done beer yoga, but uh, but my my gym and yoga studio used to have Broga. Oh wow! Broga or beer or or yoga for bros? Yoga for bros. Which I isn't that what broga is? Yes, I, I wasn't sure right we were sort of combining beer yoga to make broga. Yeah, I think I think we're sort of yeah. like uh, connotating uh, pounding beers with bros. So I think it would make yeah. sense, like if you are trying to appeal to a certain sector of the population with beer mm-hmm. yoga, you'd probably first go to like the guys who are like, just gotta get through this shavasana before I pound some brewskis. Why can't I do both? Wow. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, Mike, when you're running. Uh, career takes off you might like to do uh, a marathon in a french vineyard where you drink a glass of wine at every kilometer oh is that okay maybe i will take mm-hmm. up running then if that's gonna be uh mm-hmm. if that's gonna be the one goal what that's gonna mean, be the brat running mike i've bet money on you <laughs> i thought you were training <laughs> oh i'm always training you know, training this. This is what all that matters. Your mind. That's what that's the primary no, thing that gets the no, leg train moving. your legs all right. Well, mine first, like second. We can agree to disagree. Hmm. Okay. <gasps> Do you even lift, bro? <laughs> Do you even lift, Broga? <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. So I've got another question that I feel like um, this was given to me via my DMs this week, and it with the with the caveat that this seemed like it was the perfect thing to discuss on the tar pits, and I absolutely agree. So this comes from Will from America, and he asks us, how often do the racers take bathroom breaks? And also, we'd like to know whether racers are allowed to wear adult diapers. Allowed to, probably. Encouraged to, I would not think so. Hmm. I mean, think about how much extra room that takes up in your backpack. Like, she and Hop never endorsed. Could you buy them at airports? Uh, like, could you use your money for that? I suppose you could. I don't know if there's a rule against it, but the thing that I know about the amazing race is that um, when you are running the race, it's not just the two of you. Mm-hmm. It is you plus your cameraman and your sound guy and your cameraman, and your sound guy, they are union and they have rules about this. So they are going to take bathroom breaks whenever they want to. And you can't do a lot about it. So what I think the racers do in that case is, well, if it's pee break time for the camera guy, it's also pee break time for us. And so this really has not been shown a lot to Will's point, except for one very memorable instance yep. in the penultimate leg of season 14, Keisha and Jen were uh, racing. I, I forget. I want to say, was it Jamie and Cara? Maybe was it the cheerleaders? I can't remember, but they were. I think so. Yeah, but they were, they were racing them to the pit stop, the, the last stop before the final three. 
and they had to go to the bathroom so badly. And so they took a pit stop, quite literally, before the pit stop. They went to the bathroom, and it's alleged that as a result of them doing that, they got eliminated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's 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 probably the most like prominent, you know, prominently shown. Then it's I think much like the alliances, as Corey talked about back in the day on this podcast, something that has always happened on the Amazing Race, but only then did it really make a difference as to how everything happened. Did they really play that up on the show? Did they play it up on yeah. the like, uh, yeah, like oh, should I go or not? And then did Phil like address it at the mat? Like, well, so yeah, he stopped at the bathroom on the way there. <laughs> Take a leaf out of the cyclist books and just do power peeing. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing as well. Yeah, Amazing Race Australia had a team that would just like take what are known as power peas, just like during power race peeing. tasks. Pa- I'm also power, thinking about power peas that for for, for the, the rest of us pa- that pa- yeah. power power urination. It's, it's called power peeing. Uh, uh, marathon runners and cyclists do it. Yes, basically you don't stop to go into a facility. You you go okay because that, that, that go. was not what I imagined. <laughs> is power peeing? No, power peeing is you just as you go. You go as you go. go as you I feel go. bad for whoever had to set up the tasks and like pick up after the racers on the yeah, course. I, was gonna say, like, I think that brings a new stereotype to ugly Americans of like they pee everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> hmm. yeah I'm, these I'm were regret- not Americans. I'm regretting bringing it up. I'm regretting well, bringing I, it up. I want to bring up another example from Amazing Race Australia because I want to go to a racer named Tyson in season mm. three, the Australia versus New Zealand season and the running gag. And I think it's one of the funniest things that's ever happened on any amazing race. The running gag was every time you saw him, he was either, either pounding a water bottle or taking a break to pee. And like, there's a point where they're on an airfield and they have to get up into a helicopter and he's like, no, no, hold on. And then you see him like go off and like unzip and pee in the middle of the airstrip. And it was it was just a weird Easter egg. I don't think it ever affected their placement, but you were constantly seeing him either water going in or water coming out. Hmm. 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 So yeah, so expect no. uh, if they ever go to Australia uh, next time on the Amazing Race, expect a power peeing roadblock because <laughs> apparently that is that is something that's commiserate with their culture. <laughs> okay. Uh, how do we get to another question? All right, well, let, let me just, let me uh, let's let's take the stream and uh, go down river here. Let's let's talk about Kaylin and Haley here because they are left in a very weird position, right? They have the Mind Five Alliance. Here they are, the Cats with Nine Lives, the Blonde Bandits, and we got sort of two questions that ask the same thing from Soy Gonzalo and Anthony S. Basically, asking where where do we think Kaylin and Haley will end up here? Are they going to? You know, I think Soy Gonzalo compared to like Tiffany and Krista from season 27, like that that team that just keeps placing near the bottom and ends up placing in like third or fourth or something. Or could they pull a Beekman and be able to somehow bottom goddess their way through the majority alliance and end up making it out on top somehow? How do how do we think that Kaylin and Haley are going to do now that it really does seem like the world against them? Sarah, how about you start? Well, I, I think it depends on the disintegration of the Gary and D'Angelo relationship. 
because uh, looking at the secret scenes, they are they're not they're not getting on, and they constantly say things like, "Well, we we get it all out, and then we're friends again." But I don't know. So that combined with the tease of both Hung and Chi and the beards talking about uh, uh, D'Angelo in particular, but Gary and D'Angelo just taking and not giving, could. We see them go, and if they do go, then the blonde bandits uh, live another day. That's that's what I. That's how I see their their road to surviving the next uh, the next episode. Yeah, just l- let me ask you this question: That uh, do you think the Alliance of Five still exists? Where it's almost like okay, we have to beat out okay Leo and Alana. They're a threat because uh, they're they're not in the Alliance. Will the Alliance of Five? still continue to work together to eliminate uh, Kaylin and Haley? Or do you think that they will sort of like set their sights more internally now, which is more of a survivor thing that we see where the alliance necessarily like moves on before the uh, last of the people outside of the alliance is eliminated? I think there could be there could come a point where there is some kind of enmity in the middle of the alliance and Kaylin and Haley kind of managed to skate by while they're yeah. sorting out their problems. But that really feels to me more like a survivor thing than an amazing mm-hmm. race thing. I would suspect, but again, if there's not active strategy happening, it could be anybody that goes out and it could be for any reason that we haven't yet imagined. Mm-hmm. But I, I would like nothing more than to see them go far and see them keep like being unkillable. Yeah. But they've also kind of, they've had two chances now at redemption. And I think the next time, you know, it's going to be the third strike for them. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that they definitely have, I think the most solid storyline of any teams left, just because again, it's been so recently focused on the mind five. They have this unkillable strategy. They are the Rasputin, the TAR Rasputin, Mm -hmm. if you will, they, they cannot die of Genghis Khan. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, if if so, that would really be like the celebrity death match that nobody really wants to see. Uh, but I think that it's one of these things where Kaylin and Haley seem like absolutely lovely people, and then they they seem just like very fun people to be around. I don't know if their racing skills could necessarily mean that like I could legitimately see them stick around very much. You know, like I think if we're power ranking based on racing skills, I think they're definitively six out of six. At this point, uh, I do not think it, it is coincidental how much they finish at the back of the pack the past four yeah. or five legs or so. And they're dealing with a lot of tough competition. I think one thing that could break this game wide open is if there's obviously there's going to be an equalizer next leg as they're traveling to India. If Kaylin and Haley are able to get out in front and there's like a yield or a U-turn situation where people are scrambling in the back of the pack and like James and Will U-turn Gary and D'Angelo because they're so desperate that's when things are going to disintegrate. And maybe that's when this, you know, they could be able to cockroach their way to the end. But, but I wonder if that stuff's coming up and they continue to be at the back of the pack, could it just be a matter of like, Hey, we'll throw our stuff onto them and just push them further back because we know that they're going to be easy to get out and we'll move forward without needing to worry about getting eliminated. Yeah. The other possibility is that Iswar and Aparna fall victim to the language curse. Mm. Yeah, they would be the fourth team to go out in a country where they speak the language. Yeah, so this is this has not been talked about except in the secret scenes. But Ethar makes mention of it that there is a language curse this season, where essentially, if you are in a country where you are fluent out pretty much in the native language, you go out. We saw it with Kelly and Levon like in 
yeah, in, in Colombia. Uh, it's almost like a linguistic five hole. We saw this with uh, with Michelle and Victoria in France, and we just saw it with Leo was probably the most uh, accustomed to the uh, uh, the Kazakhstan language because he had studied Russian. So those are three teams that had not only no advantage in being a, in a country in which they spoke the language, it ended up actually, you know, those countries ended up being their undoing. So we'll see if that tees it up for Eastbourne and Aparna as well. Okay. Uh, any other feedback questions we want to hit? Um, I think we've hit the best ones. Okay. To be honest, but I want to thank everybody who wrote in because we got some really fun questions this week and a lot of I think questions that perfectly encapsulate what this podcast is for. for everything from bathroom breaks to painted feet. That's <laughs> yes. what the tar pits are. Yeah. Yeah, the more nonsense the better. We still got a lot to get to here in the tar pit, including the Amazing Race social media. But we are going to take a quick break to thank a sponsor. And the first lady of podcasting is back with us here on the tar pit. Uh, Nicole Sestrina. Nicole, how are you? I'm, pr- I'm pretty good. Yes. Pretty good. Yes. Uh, Nicole, uh, let me uh, hear about uh, that. You're you're here. I am here. To talk with <laughs> us about, about something oh, that uh, we know that you... Take fitness very seriously. Of course, fitness is very important. It is a priority. Yes. All right. So, Nicole, uh, tell us about what the fine people over at Echelon Fitness have going on. Well, you know, I do get a lot of questions about how to stay fit, how to keep motivated. So I have some answers here. And uh, I want to introduce to you Echelon Fit. When it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as the feeling of accomplishment of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. Yes. Okay. That's important. So here it is. Yeah. The Echelon Fit. This is the evolution of fitness. Evolution of fitness. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's a uh, audio book. Oh, you poor thing. No, no. <laughs> you poor thing. No. Come on. Come on. It sounds like you might really need this. Yes. Yeah. So if you want to hit your goals before the new year, start now. Yes. Echelon Fit can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and my favorite, the Echelon Stride Smart Treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of your home. Yes. that I like that part. We don't leave. Mm-hmm. And, and you're really neither should you. Mm-hmm. So get your fitness on. Their world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes. A better workout than beer yoga? Mm, That is hard to top. Mm -hmm. But Echelon is always available when you need them. Yeah. And unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone. And one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Fit family. Get a fit family. Get, That's you need right. a fit family. Fit family is important. Mm-hmm. So right now you can try the Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days. 30 days. 30 days is a long time. Mm-hmm. Go to echelonfit.com slash R-H-A-P. That's echelon, E-C-H-E-L-O-N, fit.com slash R-H-A-P to get in shape now. All right, Nicole. All right. Well, I, I, I'd like to get in shape right now. I got to finish a podcast, but then right after that, we'll get on it. Okay? I'm liking the shape of your butt. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Well, then speaking of nonsense, let's go into our secret scenes here, because of course, it wouldn't be a, a secret scene segment in the tar pit without a Gary and D'Angelo segment. And there is a big meaty video 
wow. in the secret scenes this week uh, in which Gary and D'Angelo talk about their leg in Berlin. And there's there's three parts that I want to highlight. The first one starts at about minute 24 seconds in, but suffice it to say, a lot of great conversations between them. No uh, imitating any Disney character drug lords in this video, so that's good right off the bat. But yeah, suffice it to say, they have a lot to talk about when it comes to the Berlin leg. And it, it actually, I think it actually starts with... a. Jess, I think you mentioned this on Wednesday that Gary apparently was forbidden to do the rappel because there was a weight limit to the harness, and Gary makes mention of that. With the guy, in I was told I was too fat to do the roadblock. Hundred percent amazing race, which is thing. not true. You are too fat. That is my my roadblock, and I got to no because I was too fat. <laughs> two hundred and sixty-four pounds was the weight, and I did not weigh below two sixty-four. Full disclosure: it's all muscle. You said that you was going to be two fifty before the race, so you could do cool stuff. I like did. That. You also said you're going to so be so you let you yourself down. You also you said let you were yourself be down. I let I didn't let myself down today. I didn't let myself down. You did. You you could have came in 250. But you didn't. You didn't want to shed the 20 pounds overweight you are right now. So, I, I mean, hey. I'm sexy. You know? There's a difference. <laughs> and I think I think in the clue it said that you had to be less than 264 pounds, parentheses, Gary Barnett. It might have said that. <laughs> I think it did say that. I think because I am the only one that was over that. So I'm pretty sure that's what. <laughs> okay, you can stop it there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so a little bit of like a unintentional Stephen Fishback uh, vote steal reference there. Of if, if the clue did indeed say you you cannot be over this weight parentheses Gary Barnage. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, Jess, have you gotten into uh, should you bulk or cut before the Amazing Race? Um. Honestly, I think you bulk before Survivor and you cut before Amazing Race is the move. Mm, yeah. And you really like I think your I think cardio is more helpful in the amazing race. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't think necessarily like I don't think you're ever going to be starving for food because I think you have the ability to bring like granola bars and and buy stuff at airports. So I don't think you're necessarily like, well, I better fill up in case you know there there I have to lose 30 pounds while I'm on the amazing race because I'm just go 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 all the time and I can't have a snack in between. It's I mean he was only 3 pounds over apparently. Hmm. Yeah. Do you think he could have like like could he have gone down like naked? Could those have been three pounds that that he could have shed yeah. like, under the limit? Sure. Uh, Gary, you can do it, but you would have to do it uh, completely uh, butt naked. I think they might have put a they might have put the kibosh on uh, people doing challenges on CBS reality shows without their clothes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. Well, especially that harness. I think uh, Shamar would have something to say about uh, how that might yeah. have an effect on you. And so I don't uh, think that Gary yeah. wants to go down in his birthday suit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No bueno. Okay. Well, right. So, so let, let's keep playing the clip here uh, because now we're going to, D'Angelo is going to talk about, you know, he talks about his life flashing before his eyes during the roadblock on the show. And he goes into some more thoughts and, uh, Gary makes a comment that that does not go over well with him. I went down the first time. Uh, all I thought about was my life flashing before my eyes. I was thinking about my wife and kids, how, like, I wonder if me doing this amazing race, if she bumped up my life insurance policy, you know, how much she's going to get. And, like, I was like, man, she's going to be sitting fat for a lot. Like, I was thinking about all of that. I get down and I'll she's like... For it, though. Huh? I'd be there for her. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, bro. <laughs> it's just true. It's wow. <laughs> I don't know if I like that or not. You you not I'm telling fine. you, better not go before I go. I'm just letting you know that. I'm putting all your business out there. Your mama not going to like you when I'm done. 
All right, wow. just uh, so yeah, that that was uh, D'Angelo seemed like he was uh, legitimately offended. Uh, sorry, did that, that did Gary cross a line? Um, look, offense can't be given; it can only be taken. Mm. So I think D'Angelo took the offense there. Um, I don't see cracks in their relationship. I think all the jolly jolly is covering some simmering. I don't know what, but it's simmering. Might it might go over the boil next week? Yeah, I guess that just we don't really know what the relationship like is like uh, with Mrs. Williams and Gary. It, it's true. I is I don't know. In there, are they really as close as? Um, I mean, we we learned earlier that D'Angelo had no idea that Gary was into art. So right, it's very clear I, that D'Angelo has not been over to see. I think the D'Angelo misses Gary relationship is probably non-existing, considering he has not been to their home. It's true. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, could we see? Could this be the beginning of what if what if Gary and D'Angelo get eliminated from the race because all of this simmering resentment eventually boils over and they just start screaming at each other? Oh, and this could be really like just airing out all that dirty laundry, right? Of like, I've you've been sneaking glances at my wife. I know it. And then just really like they're like, well, yeah. But remember that game against Denver where you want to give me the ball? Like they're just really <laughs> putting everything out there out on the road, wherever they may be. And it leads to their elimination. Wow. Well, they could get eliminated because Gary can't fit into some uh, mandatory uh, transportation. There might be something that they need to get into to go where they're going, and he just simply can't fit inside. Yeah, if he would have been one pound lighter, we could have won this race. Yeah, if only you were naked, Gary. Yeah. If you were naked, you would have fit in the tuk-tuk. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so for the final clip of this Gary and D'Angelo video, uh, sorry, Sarah, they're going to talk about how much they disliked one particular pose, the beer boat pose during the beer yoga, and particularly how they had to deal with each other's feet. Okay. during so uh we're gonna go back to more feet talk here we oh, had to God. do beer boat yes beer boat and um i had to <laughs> i had to <laughs> i had to put my feet on his feet and basically lock like, toes yes lock toes <laughs> and like lock arms and like hands too and we had to lift each other's leg up and it was awful. Like I, uh, he had so many calluses on the bottom. I do of his have feet. calluses on my feet. Like it, his skin was just so hard and See, abrasive. That's a lot. Like it felt I have like soft feet. He was exfoliating the bottom of my feet with his feet. <laughs> <laughs> his foot was like rubbing, like rubbing one of those callus removers. It, it was awful. Even when we did the chair sit, the beer chair, like beer chair is hard. He's four foot three. I'm six six, so it's hard to sit our backs together and get into a chair because I'm sitting on the top of his butt while he's sitting down because I'm a lot taller than he is. Hey, I got butt. I'm just saying, I have a seat. I was sitting on it. He's close. I, I'm not four three. He's but close. He always cracked these. He always cracked these. So like, I'll give him five dope, four eight. But I'm comfortable sitting down. I can rappel down a building and not have any issues. Like there's no restrictions on me now whatsoever. Can you say that though? Well, I would. I think I would have unscrambled the words. You're fat. I, I can't help that though, and I'm not. You fat. can help it. You can. Major race call me fat. You could. They did call you fat. They did. They, did they had it in the clue. Gary's too fat. It's okay, bro. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm gonna cry later. Right. Bad amazing race. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Boy, uh, is D'Angelo Williams coming out with t-shirts? I got butt. I don't know. I don't know who that's going to appeal to. I don't know how much in the Johnny Fairplay Uva is uh, D'Angelo Williams, but it certainly is a quote. Uh, or I guess Gary calling him like four foot nothing or something when they were talking about doing the chair pose together. Mm, yeah. Um, Sarah, I thought that I was especially grossed out when uh, D'Angelo Williams talked about that he was able to uh, be able to uh, what? Is, what is the right the right verb? Exfoliate his feet. Exfoliate his feet with Gary. Yeah. So particularly D'Angelo, they they love a jury. They're like that uh, couple that needs someone else there to be the jury. Because mm. uh, D'Angelo always glances at the camera, glances at the camera, glances. He's like, do you see what I have to put up with? Are you seeing what I have to put up with? And maybe that's uh, Tim's role in Cinnamon and Sugar is that they can appeal to mm-hmm. to a, a jury, like, you know, get this guy. Yeah. Um, but all Gary's uh, slings and arrows just slid off D'Angelo. He he uh, didn't take offense at, at the personal attacks on him. Just yeah. about the wife. Well, I guess D'Angelo then responds with like, well, at least I can do a roadblock, you know, like <laughs> at least I'm not, I might be short, but I have not been forbidden from doing roadblocks. Uh, and I do like this idea to your point, Sarah, of D'Angelo sort of using the camera as the get a load of this guy cam from Wayne's world of like, can you <laughs> believe what I have to deal with here? <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's uh, got the Jim from the office uh, look down. Yep. Yes, completely. Okay. All right. Uh, so the the other one, only one other secret scene that I wanted to play. There was a lot of good ones, but there was one that I wanted to bring up because, you know, we've been asking a lot of questions as to like, what happens in between legs? Where are they staying here? And this leg in particular in Berlin was a huge question mark because the pit stop was in the middle of the street. And so we really had no idea like where the hell they were going. And we're going to find out it is a weird ass place that they are staying in between legs. So there's a clip called the blonde bandit strike again, where we see the teams check into their overnight lodging. And for those that are obviously listening, I I think, you know, we'll watch this minute of a clip or so and try to describe where they're staying and how this works. Okay. Here we go. Uh, Blonde bandits strike again. Let's see where we're sleeping. Oh. Okay. Yeah. There's just one. Campground. Let me see. Since we're the first team, I want to see all my options. Let's see. Okay. Well, I'm already bigger than this thing. (laughs) You ready to see how my feet hang off this bed? You'll see it through the door. (sighs) Yeah, this isn't really my size, but... I guess you gotta do what you gotta do. I think this is me. I think I'm gonna take it looks this. A, it one. looks a little longer than the other ones. I don't know if we can both fit in one thing. I'm so. gonna definitely take this one, bro. This is gonna be pretty sweet, bro. Oh man. Whew, after a long day of racing, man. Some rest and relaxation is gonna At least be you awesome. Fit. Oh god. Ugh. Oh. Almost my size. Oh. D'Angelo's in that one. All right, you can stop okay. it there. Yeah, let me just explain uh, this for people who that are listening to the podcast because we're this isn't going to be a episode on video. So they are sort of like in some sort of like uh, they're in an, an, an IKEA seemingly, and <laughs> there are a number of like uh, looks like uh, tiny. 
campers as in like a like a thing that you would tow behind the back of a truck to go camping but like very tiny uh just is this a hostel um i think we actually had in our social media for the week uh we had some mentions of it and it is um it's a hotel i'm going to look up the name of it right now um it is yeah it is the hotel Guests can spend the night in an indoor camping site in vintage caravans. And I'm going to look at rates for the night. They are, um, if we were going next week, we could stay there from $79 a night. Okay. So that's I'm, a little bit more than your average hostel. I'm just confused by the aesthetic here. I don't know who's speaking out wanting to take a load off in an indoor trailer park. But that's the vibe that they're going for here because it's not even campers. These are like outright mini mobile homes that have a bed and little closet in them that they're sleeping in. It's, it's, a, it, it's a very quirky aesthetic to this entire place. I mean, honestly, this is the most Berlin place I've ever seen in my life. Like they, you go to their website and they have, um, like one of the caravans has graffiti all over it. It looks like they kind of cut it out of the Berlin wall and they're all like different colors and it's very funky. And uh, yeah, this is a very Berlin place to stay. And there's that one there with the staircase going up. So it's up right up near the roof and you have to climb a staircase. Yeah. Is that sort of like the, um, the presidential suite of the, of the yeah. hotel? It's like, oh, you get to climb our, our five stairs to our, our slightly <laughs> elevated trailer that you can sleep in for the night. Well, yeah, this is in Kreuzberg. That makes sense. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's uh, yeah. former former East Berlin. Why, why do yeah. uh, Gary and D'Angelo like have like the rule of the roost? Is it like big the Big Brother house of, with these pit stops where if they were in the fir- they came in first on the leg, so they get to basically go on in and take whatever be- beds you choose from the entire hotel. I think that's part of the reward of coming in first, isn't it? That's not ever explored on the show. You get $7,500 and first choice of beds in the hotel. Well, when do you ever get to see the pit stops well, I anymore? Think that, that's it, interesting. I feel like it should be part of the show. I feel like that they would probably be like, oh, like we came in last and then we had we got the worst beds in the camper park. Mm, that could be interesting, actually, of like maybe there's always like one or two really bad rooms in a hotel like one's like, oh, you came in last place. It's a non-elimination leg, but you have to sleep in the janitor's closet tonight, mm-hmm. right? Like that's the further penalty. It's like, congratulations, you've won a trip for two to Vegas and dibs yeah. on where to sleep tonight. <laughs> like that. They, they should make that part of the show of like, hey, we have eight rooms in this hotel for finishing in first place. You will get the you know uh, the presidential suite and the penthouse, and then going down to the team that's today, you'll be you know sleeping on a futon in the lobby. Yeah, I mean, it's more incentive because you need to incentivize people to just to stop just racing for first place and not last place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have more yeah, alliances true. then. Yeah, now I'm now I think maybe had Hung known that she would have gotten first choice of campers, maybe she wouldn't have helped D'Angelo out. Yeah, like the money is one thing, but getting to, to I mean, to be fair, Gary doesn't really get a choice. It seems like to me, he just laid down in a hallway, which seems like he finished in (laughs) last place. (laughs) Okay, if you want to watch this, uh, the Blonde Bandits strike again. I think they could use our help. Uh, 729 views. These secret scenes, Jess, are uh, not really lighting social media on fire. 
Well, you have to kind of dig through them to yeah. pull out the best parts. And I think I think if it's not your job like it is Mike's, there's no incentive to do that. Mm. Yeah, they really cast a wide net. I'd say there's usually up to like probably 20 something secret scenes every episode. And you so watch them all. I, I watch them all. I'm, I'm devoted you, to the cause here. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that it, it's one of those things of like Survivor, if they do secret seeds, like invest in like four or five an episode. And that usually is like a happy medium as well. Though a lot of these also are more uh, more like uncut, unedited stuff, which is always enjoyable to see from a reality TV fan perspective as well. But we occasionally get little nuggets here. Like we find out exactly where they're sleeping and how they may have been able to choose their, their sleeping locations based on how they finished the leg. Okay. And we also found out that uh, Hung said that she was jealous. He didn't get to wear the chicken suit, <laughs> which made him laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. You can imagine. Chicken chi. <laughs> okay. Chicken chi. <laughs> Chicken of the Chi. Okay. All right. Uh, Jess, uh, do you want to get into some of the social media from this week? Yes, I do. I have at least three social media things that I want to talk about this week. And we have a long list, but I think I think these three are kind of the, the pick of the crop here. Uh, so my favorite thing that happened on social media this week actually happened on Tuesday afternoon before the episode aired. Mm. And this was from uh, Frank Eves, who um, is the son half of the Frank and Jerry duo. And he tweets this on Tuesday afternoon. Who's tuning in tonight? No longer on the show, but it has become a staple to my Tuesday nights. Hashtag the amazing race. Hashtag tar 32. Okay. Uh, hey. Oh, no. <laughs> Frank was misguided yeah. in, at his uh, time on the race. <laughs> that is very, I think, on brand to not know really which night of the week that the Amazing Race is on. And you know what? Let's cut Frank some respect because I think there's, there's a lot of us who are like, what day of the week is it? <laughs> yeah, but you could also say that you set your watch to like, okay, I know Amazing Race is airing tonight and that must make it Wednesday night. Yes. You know, you can almost like reverse True. engineer it. True. Maybe but, maybe Frank doesn't watch the episode until Tuesday. Maybe he for some mm, reason takes six days to watch the no, episode. Here is here's the best part of this. This is coming as a like it's a comment tweet to the preview of the of the episode that is going to air the following night. And it says in the caption to the to the video that he is retweeting in Wednesday's back to back episodes. Yes. Uh Sarah, that as uh, somebody who is across the international dateline, is it possible is uh Frank outside of the United States. Uh, it's the wrong way. It's mm. Thursday. Could Frank be on the moon? <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've, I've read the Martian. I know there's a delay time between communications. Maybe he meant to send this out. Maybe he watches it on Tuesday. He gets a, a day, a copy six PGID. days later. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When he's watching yeah. on his moon base. Yes. Yeah. Maybe just does he get a screener from CBS on Tuesday? Um, I'm going to say it's pretty hard to get screeners from mm, CBS yeah. and I don't think they give them out to just anybody. Okay. Maybe they're like, but Frank, you know, uh, in Louisville, he's a big deal. We got to get him yeah. the episode early so you can tweet him. Maybe, maybe he's covering the show. I mean, he's the inside guy interviewing everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Is is he doing a competing podcast? Because I'm not sure we should be giving him the visibility. Yeah, it's called Just Being Frank, mm. where he just opens up about Ooh. everything, including the amazing race. Yes. Okay. All right. I would listen. Okay. See you on Tuesday. All right. Frank. Yeah. 
(laughs) 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 All right. So I, I will take a little bit of credit for starting this particular train of thought, but I had observed in, um, while I was watching the show that I, I really feel like Amazing Race lost something when they moved away from making people eat obscene amounts of food. And this is a conversation we've had a little bit, especially in conjunction with our knowledge that she once ate five pounds of pizza. <laughs> but then uh, we had uh, Nick Snow replied to me and said, imagine if it was a clue that could easily be misread and Hung decided to do it instead of Chi, the drama. And so then we we go down the line a little bit and she replies can't discount hung's eating skills she once ate 75 oysters in one sitting oh my god 75 oysters in one sitting mike uh must have been one hell of a night well listen they have three children for a reason that's all i'm saying (laughs) she only eats protein i found that out in the secret scenes yeah they they talked about that how i think on uh keto yeah so riley and madison say that hung literally only eats protein no carbohydrates no like fruit or vitamins she just they have like this protein powder and protein bars and that is all yeah i mean that's <laughs> how she's feeling yeah. in the bathroom perhaps after eating some of the, the that protein powder uh but yeah it's 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 ludicrous to me that hung has just she's not only not like ludicrous. yeah she she's she's not only eschewed most of her wardrobe and essentials to go light she's also eschewed most of her diet and has so committed herself to only eating protein yeah, well jess you said the move is to cut before the amazing race and no better I'm way saying- than to eliminate all carbs I'm saying, but you, then you, I think the move is then to get to ease the carbs back in right before you go so that you can get that energy burst. Hmm. Maybe I am not a nutritionist. Maybe there's something of like a Snickers bar commercial esque thing with Hung this past episode of like, here, have a Snickers. Why? Because when you're hungry, you tend to give away answers to people and cost us $15,000. <laughs> yeah. When you're hungry? Hungry, yeah. exactly. Why wait? Yeah. Are oysters a source of protein? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're, yeah. they're animals, Mike. Yeah, what do you think they are, Mike? I don't know, salt. Salt? <laughs> <laughs> they're animals, Mike. Yeah, I guess so. I was thinking it was a sea creature that was just mostly salt. Are we just going to go down the road of our spiders animals again? Because mm-hmm. I'm not prepared for that. Yeah. I mean, that compared to our oyster salt, uh, I think that uh, our spiders <laughs> animals is a, more of a valid query. Oh, no, 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 no. I think our oysters <laughs> salt. Is- Again, that's your next poll, Mike. Which is a more valid question? Are spiders <laughs> animals or our oyster salt? I think the third option is like, you're both idiots. I think it's going to be the winning option. I might prognosticate yep. that. I'm, I choose I'm, other. <laughs> I'm just so intrigued here because now apparently Chi and Hung both have like massive eating stories. What are they doing? Is this some sort of like man versus food thing where they've entered themselves into eating contests to live a little bit? I mean, did they get recommended for the Amazing Race by Joey Chestnut? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I've been running in circles with these two. They're relentless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy. Hungry yeah, G. but we already had we already had competitive eaters, so they had to come up with another hook. We need the reality show. Yes, I, I'm. I'm on board. Yeah, I also learned, um, I, I, went, I flat out asked them since we were on this conversation topic, I asked how much pizza is five pounds of pizza? And I learned that five pounds of pizza is equal to two large pizzas, a.k.a. the Joey special. Hmm. Okay. okay, so we finally yeah. got that figured out. Uh, I think that makes sense. I feel like that's, I was going to say that sounds doable, but it does sound like an extraordinary amount of pizza in one sitting. It, it's less it impressive. Does, uh, when you, yeah. I, could, I could give it a red hot crack, I reckon. 
Yes, yeah, same. Hot crack. I mean, I don't know. It's, I, I don't think you'd be power peeing after that. Quite the well, opposite. <laughs> quite the opposite. <laughs> okay. Jess, please okay. give us a different tweet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I want to, um, I want to call out, um, I, a newcomer to our social media segment. I think we have not spent a lot of time on the social media accounts of Iswar, who says, I lost my gloves in the Trabant in Berlin. I bought really crappy gloves in the Berlin airport for Kazakhstan. My hands were so frozen during the yurt challenge, I went to the sheephead fire like four times to like five times to warm up my hands so I could tie rope and curtains. Yeah. yeah, so I guess we don't really think about, you know, people leave their passports behind and their fanny pack behind. We don't really talk about people leaving their wardrobe behind. Hmm. Yeah. Is there a lost and found on the uh, pit stop? I I imagine that once you check in, I, in fact, I know for a fact that once you check in on the mat, anything that you've left out on the course is gone. Hmm. Because that harkens back to uh, Dandrew back mm-hmm. in season 13, leaving their um, leaving their shoes at the task and then checking in in the cow costume and then not, not having any shoes for the rest of the race. Mm, yeah. Uh, didn't someone leave their packs behind? Am I misremembering that? Drop the packs, lost their packs. No. Well, I, well, I know, I know that what Brooke and Scott did, uh, since they were such big super fans was like for the final leg, they checked their bags and just left without them. Uh, so obviously the final leg is an exception. They're not going to be like, well, you congratulations. You won, by the way, all the stuff you left behind, you can never get back. Uh, but I have heard teams in the final leg, just like get rid of those bags. Like it's hung with everything except protein in her diet yeah. and just run because there, there's, there's no need for this stuff anymore. Uh, just is this the one time that it's okay to be handling a sheep's head, a boiled sheep's head uh, with your bare hands? Uh, well, I think nobody's going to eat it. It's not um, if you were if you were serving it to somebody who would then have to eat it. I think you maybe need to not touch it with your hands. Um, but it would be unsanitary. It, yeah, it would be a little unsanitary. It's interesting to me that the last time the Amazing Race went to Kazakhstan, we saw this boiled sheep head, but people had to eat it. Mm. I, uh, we well, didn't bring. The- yeah, how do you eat it? It was going to be my next question. Uh, I, I mean, I'm neither hung nor chi. I, I do believe that it is a protein source. Uh, protein. Not a lot of carbs mm-hmm. in a sheep's head. Yeah, how much think. salt? Yeah, uh, where like where, where do you uh, begin? Um, I think you just sort of dig in. Like it's got it's meat. It's on a bone. It's you know it's it's flesh. You just yeah, try I know I know that like uh, cheek. Like I know that like. Uh, pig and cow cheek is, is used a mm-hmm. lot in terms of butchery. Mm-hmm. So like that's probably a good a good place to start. Uh, I, I also forgot to mention something on the recap where Haley and Kaylin for a while didn't realize that they needed the plate for the head. And so I think they were just expected to like hold their hands out and they were going <laughs> to drop a boiling cow head into their hands or lamb head into their yeah. hands to put in their head. It's like, oh, no good. Maybe it's not done yet. Yeah, we have to wait till it's finished cooking. Yes, yes. A little, little too al dente. Yeah. They'll bring them out when they're ready. It's like uh, Costco when the rotisserie chickens are up. <laughs> time it right. Yeah. Well, I it does. It is a related question for me that I thought of, that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Is we used to see a lot more eating on the Amazing Race, and we've moved away from that. And I always thought the eating on the Amazing Race was like much better than the gross food on Survivor because the Amazing Race you not only could have something that was a little bit unfamiliar to people, but you'd have to eat a lot of it. Mm. Some of that. Some of the best things that ever happened on Amazing Race center around having to eat a large quantity of unfamiliar food. And we don't do that anymore. And I wonder why that is. 
I mean, I, I'm, I, this is a take that Jess, you and I are always going to disagree on. I know you are a huge fan of that, of that leg in Amazing Race Six, where they had to eat the, uh, the, the one of the first instances of the mega leg when they had to eat all the <laughs> soup. I really do not like, not necessarily gross fooding, but like binge eating on the Amazing Race. Like, I will never get out of my head. Freddie like vomiting into his soup and then having to eat part, vomit Mike. back. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, that's that's just like that was that's a step too far for me. So I'm very glad to be rid of it, just because it was never enjoyable. From uh, my I would say I, I'm Team Jess on this. I feel like that's something that's like so visceral, like that. I just feel like you don't forget it, and I think it is a part, a memorable part of the show. Okay, great. So let's see. Next season, here's a roadblock. Chop off your finger. Okay, well, great. That's, that's visceral. That's, that's so television. visceral. That's tune in. I feel like that's more of a fast forward situation, Mike. Then you can choose to do it or not. Would it be more of a speed bump? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, the ancient, the ancient Italians love to cut off their fingers. Mm. Teams must now cut yeah, off one of right, their. Uh, so fast forward is where it should be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't mind the fast forward also being, in fact, I think that was the situation in Kazakhstan. There was a fast forward that involved eating like a large amount of um, unfamiliar sheep parts. And there was a team that ended up getting eliminated because one of the team members was a vegetarian and couldn't eat it and ended up failing the fast forward and couldn't catch up. In fact, that was uh, friends of the podcast, Terrence and Sarah. Yeah, see, that's that's another thing as well as I feel like, you know, again, there there are fears and other proclivities that come into people's impairments on the race. But I do feel like dietary restrictions might all also be tough to navigate around as well. Like whether it's vegetarian or like something you might be allergic to. I can imagine that makes things a bit more litigious than maybe some other tests and like, oh, Gary, you don't you can't walk through the harness because you're heavy enough versus like, oh, yeah, you can't do this roadblock because, you know, you have an intolerance to gluten and it's a pizza eating roadblock which she says like bring it on yeah and i think there's maybe another thing and this is just pure speculation on my part i wonder if a lot of that gross food eating thing is very xenophobic it's like oh well this is something that people eat this is just food Mm -hmm. to them and we're like being grossed out by oh the people that are different from us eat the food that is different from us and there's an element of that that i think doesn't play as well 15 years later as it did back in the day when it was boston rob getting freaked out by saliva glands (laughs) yeah sarah does the amazing race lean on that a lot in amazing race australia well, I'm just thinking of uh, the last um, <clears throat> uh, season where the sisters, I don't know, Mike, if you remember, they one of them on her birthday had to eat parcels of young rice. Oh, and here it's, yeah. not, it's not that it's, you know, a, a weird, strange food that nobody eats. It was just the sheer amount of it. And she yeah. ate packet after packet after packet, trying to find a coin. And other people came in, ate one packet, found the coin, and off they went, and she was crying on oh, my yeah. birthday. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like for the most part, the Amazing Race does an okay job at not being so offensive. I think the only one thing I can think of was actually an Amazing Race 26 when they had to like find and eat the century egg. I remember it was yeah. like one of the things yeah. they're like, oh, it's so, oh my God, it's so gross. Like, right. I think Survivor does a, a worse job of like, yes, balut our delicacy enjoyed in Asia. Oh my God, this is the most disgusting thing. And that can be seen, I think, mm. as, as more offensive. So, but I do think the Amazing Race in its past is, has done an okay yeah. job at handling Just you would prefer yeah, we, to have seen in Paris that instead of the teams got hit with the cream pies, they have to uh, eat the four uh, whipped cream pies before they leave the pit stop. 
Ugh, that's a lot of whipped cream. <laughs> I think it is worth pointing out that Balut was actually the focus of a of a challenge at Roadblock, I think, in Amazing Race Asia, and they didn't have to eat one. They had to eat eight. Uh-huh. Eight Balut. Yeah, eight Balut. Oh yeah. my god. In the final three, they had the century egg, and uh, not to spoil anything, but one of the uh, teams said, oh yeah, our mother used to make these and just shut them down. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's the thing is that I think maybe Amazing Race could do more of it. I mean, I will not be pleased, but I think we've sort of come around to the fact that they're they're fine with eating things in excess. Maybe they just they retired it because they had professional eaters and pseudo professional eaters, I guess, in, in Hung and Chi on it. They're like, we don't want to make things too easy for them. You know, they're just going to blaze through this. We don't want to make things too easy for one team in particular. That's, that's putting our finger on the scale too much after we cut it off during a fast forward. <laughs> All right. You're so strange, Mike. Yes, uh, <laughs> let's get to some other tweets, please. Um, we're just gonna we're gonna finish up with um our favorite our favorite thing on um social media is the the Gary and D'Angelo bromance. Yeah. Um, because I, I'm gonna finish this up with um with Gary Barnage in a rare tweet that doesn't use the word ha ha. Um, <laughs> oh shame. Yep. He says, at D'Angelo RB, you are so warm-bodied. Only thing that was really cold was our feet having to take our shoes off in the yurts. At Amazing Race CBS, hashtag cold feet, hashtag snow. Hmm. So, so he's accusing D'Angelo of complaining for nothing? Pretty much, yeah. Why did they have to take their shoes off in the yurts? I didn't even see that. Did, we, did anyone else notice that, that they were barefoot? It makes some sense because I think, like, I mean, I think most places in the world that are not the United States, you take your shoes off in the house. Yeah. Sarah That's can true. confirm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Just take them off. What, what is that responding to? Uh, you are so warm-bodied. Only thing w- that was really cold was our feet to take our shoes off in the yurts. Well, it, it was at the point where uh, everybody was complaining about the cold. Um, not Gary. All right, and Gary was the only one being like, "I'm nice and warm." Yep, yeah. nice and toasty. In fact, yeah, there's no. Is this is not a response. Angelo gives off so much heat. Is that what it is? Nope. Oh, that that's could what be. Angelo just get very heated. Well, we know mm-hmm. one place where Gary's going to take off his shoes is D'Angelo Williams' house after he passes away during the roadblock and Dre moves in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh my goodness. All right. Okay. Uh, just great job gathering uh, the amazing race social media once again. Uh, is it game time? Uh huh. Yes. All right. Sarah, are, are you ready Hello. With, 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 with this week's game for the tar pit? Sheets, baby. I got them. Yes. Okay. Sheets, baby. Sheets. Great job. Yeah. Ready, ready to go. So, yes. I, want, I wonder if Mike might have a slight advantage because of. Uh, having is it a read game? my quizzes before? Oh, okay. No, all right, darn it, it could be, but it's not. Yeah, it's in my uh, blood, he's read my quizzes Sarah. before. It is. So I thought. I mean, you can play individually, but I thought it might be more fun if you played uh, together. Okay, and, and I'll just set it up. The so three of us as a team. Yeah, three of you as a team, okay. and try and get the answer. So this is based on Jess's fantastic. Um, uh, quiz where I will read you in a category a description of four reality TV shows. They're yes. all Australian. As uh, one of them is during the Mole Patrol podcast. Mm-hmm. A hundred a yes. total and complete ripoff. So <laughs> let's just say Loving, lovingly ripped off. Oh, 
loving, lovingly written because I, lo- I loved it and I would try and guess myself and, uh, you know, I didn't keep score. I don't know that I did so well. So I'm happy to be on this side. So are well, you ready? Josh and Zed didn't do so well either. So, you know, maybe my quiz was just too hard. Yes, we're ready. All right. So we're going to start with dating shows. Um, and I am playing completely fair. The descriptions are of the real ones are real. I haven't changed anything. <clears throat> I can give you the year. I won't give you the channel because it won't mean anything to you. Okay. All right. These the are, first one's oh, called. You're going to give us three Australian reality TV dating shows and one is fake. I'm going to give you four and one is fake. Y- yes. Yes. Three. Yes, three, 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 three real ones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. So here we go. The first one is when love comes to town. A group of city girls travel to travel the country, stopping in regional areas to meet eligible bachelors. If the chemistry is right, they can choose to stay on and pursue a relationship. Otherwise, it's back on the bus and on to the next location. Wow. Okay. This is this is a weird idea. So many when, questions. Specifically, the idea of like, of like, oh, well, yeah, I'm good. I'm gonna stay here in this town now. This is where I live now. Yeah, like where do they live when they get off the bus? Yeah. yeah. And if you think that Australia is the same size as the United States side to side, it's a very big country. Mm, okay. Um, I think this all is right. believable, though. Yeah, all right. Well, let's, let's, hear, let's hear the other choices. Let's see. So the next one is The Single Wives. This series follows four women as they search for love. The women have all been previously married. The women are put in various dating situations and are critiqued by a relationship expert. He forces them to face some hard truths about themselves. Hmm. Okay, so this is like a, a more dramatic wife. first wives club. Yeah. Well, see, if this was in the U.S., the relationship expert would be their ex-husband. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Or it would be, or it'd be right? mystery from the pickup artist. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I find it believable also. Yes. All right. All right. Yeah, this is believable. Okay. The next one is The King Wants a Queen. The show features drag queens vying to date an eligible and very handsome bachelor. The queens compete in drag challenges with the best performers getting a one-on-one date. A moving tucking panties ceremony closes each episode. Uh, I mean, I, I really want this to be a show. The tucking panties ceremony might have put it over the top for me, but I also don't know, like, drag culture makes me feel like it could be a thing if they're trying to do a parody of, of reality TV from that perspective. So I'm still going to keep it, like, inside the realm of reality until we hear number four. Number four, kiss, bang, love. Six <laughs> singles. Six sing- I did actually think at one point I would just give you the titles. Uh, six, six singles are matched with 12 potential partners. Most are strangers, but some are acquaintances or former lovers. The couples skip awkward dates and instead try to kiss each other before deciding on who to take on a romantic weekend. Well, that okay. seems real to me. So it's 12, pe- it's 12 people, some don't know each other from Adam. Others may have dated. May, who knows? Maybe they might still be married, and then they just have to kiss each other and say, "All right, you're coming with me. Come on." Yeah. Or it's the, like, "Oh, there's the you know, there's the guy that works in accounting. I know him. Yeah, exactly. And I'm gonna kiss him. Oh, Ooh. is that my brother? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, Sarah. What was the name of the third show? The King Wants a Queen. The King Wants a Queen. Okay. I'm voting for that one to be the fake one. It's it's hilarious and it's definitely it feels like 
it's a thing that could happen, but I have more faith in Australia than that. Okay. Mm. What do you think, Mike? I'm really hung up on number four because I'm looking at the title Kiss Bang Love. It doesn't make any sense yeah. given the concept of the show. Yeah, which is all the more reason why it's probably real in my mind. Uh, <laughs> right, because I was thinking it was yeah. more of like a dignary kill thing. Yeah, Sarah, let us all go in our own directions and then keep and then yeah, all right. score. Because uh, I'm going to go with the first one. Uh, when Love Comes to Town, It's it sounds it does not sound that out there, but I feel like that that's why I think it might be a good fake one. All right, so are you all locked in? We're all yes. locked in. Well, it should be no surprise that the person that came up with this quiz is the person who can pick a fake. The king wants a queen. Is no, not real. it needs to be real. Okay. All right, now do you have time for some cooking shows? Yes. Oh, always. Here we go. Conviction Kitchen. The series follows a group of convicted criminals as they train in either back of or front of house restaurant operations, starring Chef Curly, who himself was convicted of aggravated assault as a teenager. Okay. Chef well, this Curly. is, uh, given the founding of Australia, I think this makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It, it, yes. I, I, I guess I'll have to wait until after. Uh, and given your average restaurant kitchen, I think this is also very plausible. Hmm. Uh, the next one is Bush Grubs. The series picks <laughs> teams of two. Strangers who are matched up by production on bush tucker challenges. The teams must forage for bush tucker and with minimal stock uh, uh, pantry items, create meals on open fires they have set and lit themselves. Okay, so this is sort of like man versus wild does shop. This sounds very tucker. plausible to me. This, yeah, this sounds yeah. very real to me. Yeah. All right, the next one is family food fight. <laughs> the series pits diverse and multi-generational Australian families head-to-head in high-pressure cooking challenges inspired by real home cooking and their own family food traditions. Okay. Family food fight. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the last one is recipe to riches. Cooks from around the country compete to have their recipe become a brand product in supermarkets. Competitors cook their dishes, create a brand for their product, and desired, uh, sorry, devise strategies to launch it to the public. Previous winners have included the product Choc Corn and Chunky Pork and Apple Sausages. Oh, my God. Mm. I'm like D'Angelo in that clip. (laughs) (laughs) Chunky Pork and Apple Sausages. I mean, apples and sausages, that's a thing. But I don't want anything ever described as chunky ever when it comes to food. But Campbell's would beg to differ, Mike. And Campbell's, uh, that's rightly a product that I stayed away from from a good portion of time because I don't want anything to be described as chunky. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Any questions about any of them? Hmm. All right. Conviction Kitchen, Bush Scrubs, Family Food Fight, Recipe to Riches. I'm going to vote for... I mean, I, or are we at the point where we lock in our votes or do yeah, we like discuss it? Okay. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. All right. I think family food fight is fake. I, I agree with Jess. I also think that family food fight is fake. Uh, that how many how many families are we finding that are going to be on, on this show, uh, especially uh, di- diverse families that are going to get into it about food? Um I mean, Australian, amazing Australian reality shows and diversity are not or do not necessarily go together. If my crazy Australian survivor has said anything, I'm I'm gonna go let me, let me go rogue here. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna think I'm gonna go with Conviction Kitchen. 
I'm not sure. Maybe I'm getting like really let mis led aside by the name, but I don't know if, if that is necessarily a, the name of a show that they would want. I feel like Chef Curly is a fabrication. Uh, as much as again, it's based in the history of Australia. I do not know if if this is necessarily a a cooking show that people would want to watch. Okay, so everyone's locked in. I can tell you that Family Food Fight ran for two seasons and thirty three episodes. What? Um, and I can tell you that Chef Curly is a real person. Now, he does Chef a- Curly? This is what I wanted to know. That does he have curly hair, and does he wear a hairnet, or is Curly his last name? Frizzy Ball. That's his name. Okay. That's his name. Uh, because it could be yeah. like a, a sort of like an ironic thing, like naming a big guy Tiny. Yeah. Uh, like, Stooges. oh, he doesn't have hair, like the Three Stooges Chef thing. Tiny. No, Chef, it is his name. Chef, yeah. Chef Juvenile Detention. No, uh, I made up Bush Grubs. That's oh. that like a really fun show. I would yeah. watch that. Yeah, I thought I think you're actually accidentally coming up with a bunch of backdoor pilots for Australian reality shows that could happen. For real. Bring it. Bring okay. it. All right. What about talent shows? Have you got time for some talent yeah, shows? Always. All right. Here we go. Four talent shows. Three are real. The one is not real. Karaoke Wars. Each round, two random members of a studio audience go head to head in a karaoke contest. Each audience member must be ready to leap into the spotlight with their nominated song. Audience response determines the scores, and the top two go into a final mystery song karaoke battle. People from the audience? <laughs> but we've had this. We've had this in the U.S. in like five different incarnations. Right, but I guess I'm thinking this is sort of like a karaoke contest combined with like Price is Right, where like you get picked out of the audience to come on stage and sing, rather than you have been picked yeah. already to be put in front yeah. of everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next one is I Will Survive. The show searches for a triple threat performer to play a drag queen in the musical Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Mm-hmm. Starting with open auditions, the most talented contestants board the famous Priscilla bus, driving from Sydney to Alice Springs, performing at outback locations along the way. Steakhouses, is that? <laughs> Unfortunately not. We don't have those in. We, we don't know what those are. I mean, things are blooming, but not onions when it comes to yeah, We don't know what a blooming onion no, is. You're better must, off. No, but I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Priscilla, we've seen shows like this, uh, specifically in the UK, when it comes to like Fighting Maria and The Sound of Music or Legally Blonde, The Search for the Next Elle Woods. So, and I know Priscilla, Queen of the Desert is a very popular Australian musical, but I don't know if you're going to get us twice with the drag queens. Mm. Well, that's Am why I? I think it might be real. I don't know. We don't know. Sarah might be Wiley here. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll see. All right. The next one, Celebrity Circus. The show takes celebrities and trains them to do circus acts. In the final show, they perform their new skills in front of a live crowd, including high wire, flying trapeze, clowning, sorry, Rob, the human cannon, and the wheel of death. Oh, uh, we had this in the same years. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, no. I thought I'd get you the series appears in, uh, appeared in Portugal in 2006, as Circo de las Celebridades. Oh, we had this in, okay. in the States for years in the 80s. Oh, you have called Circus of the Stars. Oh, yeah. yeah. I should have looked But we that. also, we had analogs of all of these, to be honest. Hmm. So, Do you want to hear the last one? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Strip Search. Oh, boy. The series, follow, the series follows the search for a new troupe of male strippers from audition to the final live show, where they perform as Aussie Storm. International versions include the New Zealand troupe Kiwi Fire, and in Canada, Canadian Thunder. No, this is fake. So this, this is, is like this, this is making the band meets Magic Mike, where instead of Danity Kane, now they're picking Manity Kane, uh, 
which is just a group of male strippers. Oh. Yeah. Watch it with those cane jokes, Mike. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I'm not, I'm not I'm saying anything. All right. All right. So, so you're all going for the strip show? Um, I'll say karaoke wars. Uh, that mm-hmm. uh, that I feel like that um, that could that could be the made up one, just to uh, spice things up. Yeah, they have thunder from down under in uh, Las Vegas, uh, but not a, not in Australia because there are no outback steakhouses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I you know what I'll I'll stick with Jess here. I'll go I'll go with the uh, I can see your penis or whatever the name of the show is for the strip. <laughs> I don't Mike. think it was that. I think it was called Strip Search. It's called Strip Search, but you know, maybe that's a better name. <laughs> it is not. It, it is, is not. Yeah. All right. Well, ding, 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 Rob. Karaoke boards is made oh, up. Oh, good job. Yeah. And, uh, yeah there, there was a, um, an American version of Strip Search as well. Yes. So, what was it called? American Storm. You know. American Storm. I have not heard of this, and I've heard of every bad reality show. Maybe it was a good reality show. I it. can I can check my facts, but yeah, yeah. It was a song by Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. Hmm. Um, I wonder if that's what they danced to. There's no, no disambiguation page. Oh yeah, no. Look, there there was a V. So there was a VH1 version called Strip Search, and the final oh. guys formed American yep. Storm. Okay. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. That is very VH1. Yes. Uh, Sarah, is there is there a final round? There's a final random category round, which okay. I'll just whip through, oh, and you can make a you can make a, a lightning decision. Okay, the first one: Will this kill me? After attending <laughs> after attending a lecture on species identification, the contestants are challenged to correctly distinguish non-lethal animals from lethal spiders, snakes, and other creatures. Oh, Rob, this is Rob's this is Rob's failure. Rob, of yeah. Rob's yeah. Show. We yeah. hung up on whether they're animals or not. Sure. It's the most Australian the- thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Please we are Australian. Contestants yep. make their choice by putting their hand into a perspex box containing the creature. Production intervenes if the wrong decision is made. The show struggled against reruns of Frasier and was taken off the air after two episodes. <laughs> yeah, really, uh, really filling out that Venn diagram. Oh, we couldn't have gotten those Frasier fans, damn it. Yeah. Uh, the next one is Formal Wars. The series sees high school students handing over control of their high school formal preparations to their parents. Each week, two high school students receive $2,000 towards the cost of their school formal, but their parents are given total control and will decide their attire, their transport to the venue, and most importantly, their date. Oh, so, oh, yeah. yeah. So, so formal is control. like a prom. It's so like they a prom. snatch one of the girls from that bus show and just yes. make it make it. Combo platter. Uh, cannonball. The show features ordinary contestants competing with celebrities. It's a water-based game show involving 15 couples competing on a lake, attempting to jump the highest, slide the fastest, and fly the furthest for a chance to win two new Suzuki Vitaras. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, Free Ship Men. The show features a series of challenges to acquire as many free items as possible. Each episode has a small and a large challenge, such as lunch, Tattoos, skydiving, cars, coffin, and a racehorse. What was the name of this show again? It's called Free Shit Men. And the I I is an exclamation mark. Like uh, they were like Marines Probably. or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like free them. <laughs> Get them out well, of that, there. 
that was a show in Japan. Like very famously, there was a show where they like locked a guy in an apartment and he couldn't leave and he could only eat what he was able to win in sweepstakes. That's like old point. Um, all right. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So yeah, free ship- locked in. What do you think? What are you thinking, Rob? I think Formal Wars is the uh, fake show. I, I don't think. Why, why did two kids get to control the entire formal for the whole school? Like, why would anybody give this power over no, to I, these two kids that are getting? It's just, I, I know it's just it's for just them. them. Yeah, it's just for them. And okay, so that's even weirder. And, and, and even my, still, yeah, why, that um, you know, I, I that, that I don't think that this is a a, a real show. And why are you having a formal dance just for two people? That's also weird. What? What are you? No, it's, it's like for the hey, whole school, but my prom is on my prom is in May, but now you're surrendering your rights to prom over to your parents. Right. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, I don't know. This is I'm, I'm with Rob. Rob, you've convinced me. I'm with you. I'm with you on this. Well, let me let me go rogue here once more. Okay, so we have what else? We have slippity doodah or whatever the thing was. Slippity doodah. Yes, yes the, the, the water based. Yes. Cannonball, yeah. We've got free shit men. Free shit men, and we've got the... Uh, will this kill me? Will this kill me? I gotta feel like, I don't know, the thing about will this kill me is it seems stupid to be like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll only let you write beforehand if like the, the asp is going to bite you or something. But will this kill me? Like, it sounds... I don't know. Honestly, will this kill me sounds more like an American reality show than a, an Australian reality show. Uh, and I think also the answer in Australia is almost always going to be yes. So I'm going to go with will this kill me? All right, ding ding ding, Mike Bloom. Mm. Oh, blood you, got you, blood you got us twice with something hugely Australian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was dangling it. I even gave you the show struggling against reruns of Frasier, but you just didn't want to take that bait mm. because no yeah. shows struggle against reruns of Frasier. Frasier is its, its own true. monolith. It's yeah. a national treasure. Well, Sarah, thank you for uh, coming up with this Australian reality TV show game and uh, stumping uh, Jess and myself as uh, Mike Bloom shows why he is a man who is uh, (laughs) the world's reality TV sponge. Just call me American Storm. Mm. You know, when we're doing this, we're doing this game for Mole Patrol season two. I think I got to get Mike in on this because he came up with fake names for pretty much every show we talked about. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they might they might be like, oh, I don't think it's going to be Slippity Doodah or I can see my penis. As any <laughs> 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 oh, boy. Okay. Uh, Sarah, where can people uh, keep up with you and talk about other uh, real and fake Australian reality shows? Oh, they can uh, find me on Twitter at Sarah Carradine, a very Rob Sistanino approved uh, Twitter handle. It's just my name. Um, Otherwise, uh, you can find me at Bondi Beach if you want an ocean swimming lesson, or you can find me in a pool uh, and I'll teach you how to swim. Okay. All right. Uh, Jess, what's next for you? Um, what's next for me? I've got I've got um, Fear the Walking Dead World Beyond tomorrow, yeah. um, in which uh, Josh Wiggler and Brandon Chappelle and I talk about not only Fear the Walking Dead, but also Walking Dead World Beyond. And we're coming in hot with our World Beyond takes. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there for you. Okay. All right. Oh, interesting. Uh, are, you, are you as warm-blooded as Gary and D'Angelo? Yeah, we maybe more so. Like my toenails are painted like world beyond sucks. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's not a that's hardly a hot take, but we um this week's episode 
has some content in it that really confirms a lot of things that we've been saying about the show. Okay. And we're ex- we're feeling vindicated Ooh, well, and we're I, very excited. That you couldn't give me a bigger tease as to why I should watch the show and listen to the podcast. But Rob, it's it combines all your favorite things. It's like The Walking Dead, which I know you continue to love dearly, <laughs> plus everybody on the show is a teenager and your favorite mm-hmm. your favorite character on every show has historically been the teenager. Teenagers, yeah. And, and it sounds like you guys are doing complaining or something like that mm-hmm. also. You do like complaining. Yes. That's true. Yes. If, as long and as it's you artful, don't have to- that, you know, like artful I, complaining. Yes. I would no. say that that describes our show better than anything. Artful complaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I and you can listen to the show without watching the TV uh, program. Yeah, which that's is right. Okay, because I've talked about yeah. this with my with my wife of that. Uh, she's like, oh, all you do is complain, and like, yep, yeah, but I make it. It's it's entertaining. Like I'm not just like uh, only just. There's it's not boring. Like this is like a like a, an entertaining complaint. She yeah, disagree. I- I feel like that's everything on post-show recaps is we complain about the shows and we do it in a way that entertains you. Although Mike I and I, I, I disagree with that. Cause yeah. we, you and I, you and I really like Star Trek discovery. That's true. Uh, and we, we are talking about that on post-show recaps. Josh Wiggler and I love the crap out of lost. And we're talking about that every week. So, yeah, but I complain about that. So, yeah, so maybe it's more so the things you complain about or are talking about. I think that's my again. job. It's my negative bias against everything, which I've been told is yes. my my failing as a podcaster. Okay. No, not true. Also, never, never. Uh, Jess and I, later on uh, this week, we will be taking a look at the new uh, Amazon offering. I believe uh, this is the first Amazon competitive reality series. Uh, it is called The Pack, and it is a real... I mean, the, they spared no expense here of 12 people and their dog racing around the world it's basically the amazing race but instead of uh two partners it's a person and a dog and they are racing around the world i watched the first episode last night and uh that i i really enjoyed it i watched it with my son and uh yeah we thought that it came out great and i'm looking forward to talking about it so your review would be wow wow what a great show yeah, I thought it was fun. It's a it's a uh, it's a fun show. Uh, that but the emphasis is on the dog. Like uh, I think the people got the short shrift here, where uh, the, this is like going to be a big boon to the uh, Instagram followings of the dogs. So if you are the kind of person that watches the puppy bowl for the referee, you're not going to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you are a dog lover, uh, I think you're going to like it, Jess. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it uh, with you and Brooklyn Zed uh, later this week. Yeah. Historic dog person who's never owned a dog. Yes, yeah. please. No, check to. it out. If you want to get ahead of the curve and check it out, uh, it's available on Amazon Prime, uh, The Pack. All right. The whole and that also, yeah. It also sounds like a show that Sarah would have made up for the sake of this game. Like I could see that very much being an Australian reality show, real or fake, of people and their dogs go around the world. Yeah, I don't really understand why you people needed to like like it would it was fine at just a show about people and their dogs and they're in the competition. I don't know why they need to travel around the world. I don't know why they need to, to say, okay, and now you and your dog are now gonna fly to different places. Like th- that part I really that th- th- I still don't get, but uh, I've enjoyed it so far. So then, do you think if if, if Phil hosted the show, he'd be like, "Yeah, put in a call to the dog catcher." Heard about how you were driving back there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Jess, anything else that you have uh, coming up? Um, pretty much. I got Star Trek Discovery and I've got, yeah, I've got Disco. I've got Fear the Walking Dead World Beyond. I've got this thing coming up with you in the pack. And then Josh Wiggler and I got together earlier today to um, record a special podcast that is going to be available to patrons of post-show recaps and as specifically as part of the Watching with Wiggler series in which we talked about the new David E. Kelly series, Big Sky, which takes place in my home state of Montana, but is not filmed there. And I had a lot of opinions. Okay. If you want to talk about artful complaining, that was me on talking about Big Sky. Um, All right. Mike Bloom, what's coming up next for you? So, uh, of course, I mentioned Down the Hatch and Star Trek Discovery coverage, also doing some writing for CBR.com for both Star Trek and actually Fear the Walking Dead as well, doing some interviews there. Speaking of interviews, uh, I have, if you haven't read it yet, I had did my interview with Leo and Alana, which was a lot of fun. They touched upon a lot uh, some of fun. Stuff- a lot of fun. They talked about essentially uh, how they turned from a 10-month-old Tinder cupper on the race into newlyweds. Uh, and you know how how the amazing race helps sort of bolster that part of their relationship. Very sweet, very great couple, uh, and very great team on the amazing race. So be sure to check that out. And of course, Rob, you and I got together last week to continue our series, Outwit, Outplay, Outlist, an arbitrary and reductive ranking of various Survivor Minutia. We were joined by another great Australian, Shannon Gus, yes. uh, ranking and rating twenty notable. Survivor immunity necklaces from uh, seasons past. We are, of course, going to be skipping it this week in honor of the Thanksgiving holiday. But if you have not delved into it yet, you have two sumptuous servings of Outwit Outplay Outlist to enjoy before we come back after the break to do another one. All right. Uh, well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, plenty of great stuff up on robhasawebsite.com, including a very fun podcast I did over the weekend where we explored Enneagrams uh, with uh, the uh, great Chappelle. Uh, I thought that that was going to be something that I'm like, all right, I, I don't really care about this, but I bet Chappelle will be funny. And I was blown away uh, just uh, how fascinating a topic. Of course, Chappelle was funny, but the topic I thought uh, was really fascinating. He did a great job explaining it. I, I do think that that's a must listen. Check that one out. Yeah. Uh, if you have any sort of interest in uh, these uh, types of personality uh, quizzes or things where you can kind of learn a little bit more about yourself. I really, really enjoyed it. I've been like watching YouTube videos all weekend about my any type uh thanks to Chappelle and then also uh that I ended up talking about uh all things Spice Girls on the latest Robin Akiva Nita podcast as we spice up your life so uh, a lot going on uh be sure you subscribe to the podcast robiswebsite.com slash iTunes take care everybody have a good one bye Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yes, for free. No subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of The Amazing Race, Narco, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV and start streaming now. Pluto TV. Drop in and watch free.